Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. And I'm Caitlin Eden. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. Okay, today on our show, clocking in at 84 minutes, we are talking about my wife Caitlin's favorite movie of all time, 1996's Waiting for Guffman, directed by Christopher Guest. I am so excited for this episode, you guys. I can't even tell you. From the moment you told me this podcast was coming to fruition, I knew that I had to get my favorite movie on here, and it should have come a lot sooner, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Well, I wanted to save it for what was intended to be a recording on your birthday weekend. We were in the middle of Halloween month, so it wasn't going to air during Halloween month, but I wanted to record it around your birthday. That was a kind of a gift, to, uh, going to be kind of a gift to you. Like, if you have to record an episode, at least it'll be your favorite episode. Uh, and then we uh, ended up not... Uh, recording that weekend. Well, but... thank you for this belated birthday gift. I yes. couldn't be more ecstatic. From the show. It's not from me. It's from the <laughs> well, show. Well, from the yeah. show. Yeah. I appreciate this. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's the only thing Caitlin got for her birthday was that it was yeah. gifting her this episode this year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're all very poor in the family and this is all we could yeah. afford. I could have gotten her flowers, but forget that. Like, like why? Guffman. No, no. We're going to record well, an episode better of, than Guffman. of the podcast. Yeah, no, nothing is better than that. Uh, Give me a bouquet of Corky and the other ones. Whose names I can't remember. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. you guys are going to have to help me out here a little bit. Yeah, That's well okay. I can help because I've seen this movie probably, let's say, conservatively. Know, 50, 50 times. 50 times. Conservatively. 50, 50 times. times. Well, I was nine years old when this movie first came out and mm-hmm. um, I was already actively involved in community theater and so I connected with this movie immediately. I... Went so far as to create my own Waiting for Guffman trivia board game. <laughs> that is a child thing to do. Yes. Well, when you're, I don't know, I must have been 11 or so at, at that time. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends. And I had friends in community theater who always came over and hung out. Did you ever I, have that make your own Monopoly? That oh, was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. had we had Flaherty-opoly. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say, you should have just made Guff-monopoly. No, we no. We had monopoly We did. And yeah. it was all just my shit. It, it had nothing to do with the family. It was no. just what I, what I enjoyed. <laughs> it was my board game. I made it. So I created this Waiting for Guffman trivia board game. And um, well, I can... Do you have like quite an example of a question that was in Oh, it? I've taken some notes, actually. Oh, and <laughs> as we go through the movie, I will quiz each of you. Oh, okay. This is going to uh, be fun. With... <laughs> to play a game? With some trivia questions that I do remember putting into my board game. That's great. So, awesome. Um, yeah, be prepared for that. Very cool. exciting. Well, um, normally Dan is the uh, the guiding uh, star for this uh, show. Um, <laughs> well, Dan takes the most extensive notes, typically. I like to look at the, at the movies the, in the micro version, but for this one, the movie like this and, and the docs we've done, they, they have a flow to them. It's hard to track sometimes, but I know you since you've seen it so many times, Caitlin, I think... Uh, I think it's only fair yeah. that we, 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 let, uh, we let Caitlin well, get every you. detail into this movie <laughs> that she possibly well, will please, give us. Please add details, because although my notes are extensive and my memory is even deeper than my notes, um, I'm sure there will be things that I forget, and I don't want this to just be 
be me quoting the movie for because sure. that's a lot. Because of what then it's I do. just then it's just the podcast is just the audio of the movie. Exactly. We might as well just exactly. That part and, where and, yeah. So remember. the movie begins um, with. Uh, the camera showing us an overview of the town of Blaine, Missouri, which is where this movie takes place. Yes. And it seems like sort of a bleak town. It's, it's, it does. It's so funny that you say that because yeah. later on in the movie, especially when we get to the, the big celebration, I mm-hmm. wrote down, it, it seems kind of sad. It's He's very, talking about yeah. the outdoor part? Yeah. It's drab. It yeah. is it's very, drab. very drab. And it's, it's like he intentionally chose the grayest day possible <laughs> uh-huh. to go outside <laughs> yeah. and shoot is what it looks like. And it's a fake town, of course. Yeah, yeah, Blaine, Missouri. And uh, as we see these shots of the fake town, we overhear um, a meeting going on at the town council um, as they're starting to plan for the upcoming uh, sesquicentennial. Sesquicentennial. Which, which is, is what? How many? I, uh, how many years? That's one of the trivia questions. 70? Nope. Se- Blaine is celebrating it's its sesquicentennial. Ding, 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 so 150. 150. Oh, okay. That's apparently a sesquicentennial. Sesquicentennial. Okay. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> not, not right now. It'll um, sound like racial we... slurs by the end. You stupid sesquicentennial. So we overhear the town council members talking about the planning of this, and then we get to see into the meeting, the camera moves in, and they've got this small-scale model of the town, um, complete with l- tiny little buildings and little barrels and crates that are going to be located around the town it's, square. It's the sweetest model that I've ever seen, like, outside of the Beetlejuice model oh, in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, as far as movie models go, you got the Doc Brown one, which he crudely put together. Those, admitted. Admittedly, crudely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have time one. to build it to scale or to paint it or anything. This is clearly to scale <laughs> and well-painted. <laughs> and a barrel. They have, like, a little rogue barrel that they're placing mm-hmm. on the Where to the place the barrels. Where to place the barrels. <laughs> and, and then they the, also uh, talk the about Johns. where do they place the snipers because oh, yeah. they want to put a man with a rifle here, mm-hmm. man with a rifle here, and a man with a rifle here. And uh, there's some dissension <laughs> about the, nece- the necessity of these uh, snipers. But uh, the security in general. One of the councilmen. Event. Yeah, one of the councilmen reminds them of how much they got egged last year. So apparently uh, that should. Uh, that's yeah. what that requires warned, snipers to. Or like... the presence of snipers. And on, on a part of this council, we have uh, Larry Miller. Yeah, Larry Miller is, uh, I guess, the mayor of the this mayor. town. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the mayor. Yeah, he's uh, the mayor. Michael Hitchcock. Yep. Who I've been. Ref- who I've been I wrote in my notes is Michael Emerson who is a different actor altogether. I don't know oh, why yeah. I got this confused, but it's Hitchcock. And he, Hitchcock, yeah. you, he has, like, crazy wild eyes. Yeah. Do you guys think he looks like an, uh, he could be, like, David Tennant's less attractive older brother? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he seems like he could be maybe a cousin. Maybe, yeah, yeah. a cousin. Okay. That's his cousin, cousin from America. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but his American cousin. I think sure. he's my favorite in this movie, is Hitchcock, actually. He's, he's in all of the Christopher Guest movies. He's usually really, really good yeah. because he's used minimally it feels like he's never a character that's like uh continuously in your face it's i love him best in show with uh parker posey yeah the couple mm-hmm. yeah they're very anal and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh the catalog couple yeah yeah, yeah. uh who else is that? um i don't know the uh i the, didn't write down the actor's yeah. names yeah i didn't i, I only know i'm unfamiliar with names. the uh the woman in this scene 
I don't recall her from. Yeah, she's uh, not. But she's related. Like her great grandfather was Blaine, right? Yes. And that's why she is she on the is board. Gwen Fabian Blunt, hyphenated <laughs> last you. name. Oh, yeah. She no. Um, she's also in A Mighty Wind. She plays the sister who's like mm. grieving the whole time and like can't stop crying. Okay, so you know, Gus sure. uses his stable. Yeah. So he yeah. established yeah. that in this movie. This is his first after Spinal Tap. There's mm-hmm. confusion that he established that, but he just kind of took the Rob Reiner thing. It's it's, it it's a form it's a formula that I think they all kind of created together, yeah. and probably because Rob Reiner, like they needed somebody to call they call somebody a director of the movie, so you know it's like sure he was the one who pieced it all together maybe. So mm-hmm. we have these cast of characters in uh, the council office, um, and we cut to um, the mayor intro. Um, talking about how great Blaine is and how the people of Blaine are can-do people and how they can get the weather to change on a two- to three-minute notice. and um, So, yeah, uh, we get him, and then we <laughs> cut... The other bald gentleman, and I, and the scene is he's in his office and they show a painting. Yeah. And I'm thinking Parks and Rec I'm has thinking... a lot to thank for... Uh, and this, this is movie. I was actually, I was watching this movie and I was just thinking, like, who... like. I, that reminded me of Parks and Rec, and like, who had to paint all those murals? Like, yeah, somebody had to create oh, yeah. this horrible, like, this horrifying mural of uh, some town history. Big Parks and Rec vibes in this movie. In the beginning, here you're the small towns, small sensibilities, mm-hmm. and murals. Of, yeah, and murals <laughs> on the wall. Yeah, so yes. then we get to and that was, uh, um, uh, the uh, next character, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Burgess, the yeah. town historian, played by Don Lake. And uh, he gives us more insight into the history of Blaine. That's the guy, yeah. yeah. And this is where we get the story of Blaine Fabin, the yeah. f- discoverer and founder of the town. He was hired by settlers to uh, lead them across the country over to California. Mm-hmm. And they got to Missouri, and Blaine said, do you smell it? Do you smell the salt in the air? <laughs> they knew and it. They, they, they had found the ocean right they knew, there. They thought that they had found the ocean. There was, was a big celebration, and then the next morning, you know, Blaine was able to convince them for a while there was just low tide or whatnot. And, uh, <laughs> but then uh, they realized that they weren't in California, and they... Many, uh, many miles off. <laughs> they said, uh, that's fine. We're, we're happy where we are. We'll just stay here in Missouri. And that's why he's at that desk. I can see why they would create a town for this. I mean, you'd have to, for a ridiculous backstory like that, there might be towns like that in America. Yeah, it's, oh, not, yeah. By it's idiots, not inconceivable. But it would be insulting, I think, so you got to create this Blaine this Yeah, town. And it's not even that insulting, because it, it's not like... Like okay, yes, granted, this man made a mistake, but they, but they were, were all just like, you know what? We're yeah, they're we content like where they are. We're fine yeah. with this. We don't need California. Good yeah, enough. no, this is good yeah. enough. <laughs> and then we get the introduction to the councilwoman on the board, Gwen Fabian Blunt. Yes, yes. Um, and she talks about how being a Fabian is not always easy, and how she can certainly understand how the Kennedys feel. So um, that's the level of prestige that the Fabian name. Holds yeah. in at Blaine, least in Missouri. Blaine, at the very least in Blaine, Missouri. Uh, maybe perhaps all of Missouri. Perhaps all of Missouri. There's there's not a whole lot going on in that state, yeah. uh, unfortunately. And then we get our introduction to our leading star of this movie, Corky St. Clair. Oh, and that's when that's when somebody presses the accelerator and says, "Let's get this comedy going." Like, yep. That's when things really kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, the clothes he is wearing in this scene are actually polka dot pajamas. Um, little known fact, <laughs> something you don't always pay attention to. Um, and Corky talks about how he 
um, got to Blaine and how he start how he was in the Navy and then he <laughs> landed in New York City and how he wanted to be a construction worker and work on the high wires with the and of course he's got this Christopher Guest developed this, this character this is the same character from the synchronized swimming video oh, we're they... trying to. Uh, we were trying to watch it right before you guys got here, but then it was, just take, it was taking too long to get to his character in it. Yeah. So Corky's lisp and his uh, precious little bowl cut hair, <laughs> which is which I do know is in, uh, uh, I believe is intended to be uh, a toupee. Like it's supposed oh, really? to, it's, oh. it's supposed to be a toupee, and it just kind of looks like his actual yeah. hair. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, I but. Didn't know um, that. Yeah, that's what I think. I the one of the few things I remember from listening to the commentary like a decade ago. <laughs> Yes. Um, so we get our introduction to Corky St. Clair, and he talks about how he uh, works with the community theaters in town. And, um, oh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But then we cut over to uh, Steve Stark, uh, your this favorite is the Michael character. Hitchcock character. Yeah, that yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Stark, the local pharmacist slash councilman. And um, we get his introduction. And one of my favorite things about this scene is that scene behind him is this whiteboard. And it says parade plan, and it literally has one road going vertically, <laughs> turning a corner, and going down the next street. And that is the only thing drawn, and it they has little arrows <laughs> going down and turning a corner, and that's the parade plan. So well, at some point, they had to have a meeting about which direction they should turn. <laughs> should they go right or should they go left, yeah. east sure. or west? They had, must have had a couple meetings about that. Yeah, yeah. and they, were, they deliberated for many hours, actually, to... Make that decision. Yeah. And uh, so we get the impression from this character right away that he's really into Corky. Yes. And in more ways than one, uh, he really is blown away by the work that Corky has done in the theatrical community of Blaine. Because, uh, <laughs> like, Corky's like this this, this local big shot celebrity. You yeah. Know? Like, this he, guy he, from he had New time York. in New York, you know, he, he's, he's from it's the big, big city. Deal, and yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Steve Stark wanted to audition for uh, Corky's upcoming production of Red, White, and Blaine, um, but they have to stock at the pharmacy that night, and Corky won't let him audition any other time, and uh, uh, he's so frustrated about it, but uh, he, he knows it'll be a good show. You, the, like, a little backstory for the guest movies is he he doesn't write a script. He writes a treatment, right? Mm-hmm. and he gives uh, each character a bio. Yeah. And I think the, for this one, all, all you need to do to tell Hitchcock is that you really want to be in the show, you couldn't be in the show, and you kind of like, have a thing for me, you're, and that's you're, it, just I'll, go. And I, even that can be elaborated by the actor. All he really has to say is, yeah. like, you're really into Corgi, yeah. and you really wish that you could be in the show, but you couldn't. It's and that's it. that. It's like, that's all you yeah. need for him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, he, makes, he this is very Max Fishery pre Rushmore, but he mounts plays that are adaptations of like major blockbuster films. Yeah, and uh, Corky St. Clair put on Backdraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that had uh, Catherine O'Hara and uh, Fred Willard's characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but before we get there chronologically in the movie, um, we get one more scene um, with. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh, <laughs> I just felt like you oh, your, actually, your glasses up on your nose. Uh, I, this is my favorite movie, so we will not I, skip uh, a beat. I understand. This movie. <laughs> I understand. Um, we get back to Phil Burgess, the town historian, and um, we get introduced to Blaine's most uh, profitable 
uh, industrious moment in the town's history, which was when the stool boom. Yes. Hit. Oh yeah, you you got to talk about the uh, stool boom. So we get to hear the history of how President McKinley did a whistle stop tour and stopped in Blaine, <laughs> and this little boy Jimmy McBean who worked at the stool factory presented you know the him boy's with this. Name, <laughs> Jimmy McBean. Jimmy McBean. Oh damn it! I think that was a trivia question too. <laughs> I would have. I wouldn't well, have gotten. What that. was the name of the boy who gave President McKinley a stool on I his don't whistle even stop tour? The president. Who to is be it? Uh, yeah. Oh man, you guys are gonna. Yeah, I'm so ignorant. I had to be like, questions. there was a president McKinley. Like, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> that's bad. Oh. And so, okay. uh, Blaine became the stool capital of the world, mm. which I didn't realize until I was five years into loving this movie. That <laughs> why a, 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 the a, why that was funny and at all. You yeah. Know? I was gonna ask, do you guys? That's why they chose specifically stool. It could have been like. I was gonna say Dutch oven, but that works too. <laughs> you know, like arm wires. It's the arm wire cap, but it's or frying pan. Something the double some, meaning. Some, yeah. is what right, they right, were right. Really oh yeah, for. no, I think they absolutely chose that. Okay. On, on purpose. Okay. Jer. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those jokes that's like, you know, you get a lot of that in Spinal Tap, where it's like, it's a, it's Duh, like it's very it's or... subtle. But it's the most subtle that you can do a joke like this. You know, mm-hmm. nobody at any point is calling a fa- attention to the fact that, you know, stool is a double meaning, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Which is why when I was nine, when this movie came out, I didn't think anything of it because I didn't yeah. get that at that age, you know? And so that's, you know, just yeah. like another character's layer. Characters like a president, his name is Dick. They want four more years of Dick and yeah. then we laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we get to the next beat in the movie where Corky talks about backdraft. And yeah. uh, that's uh, one of the shows that he produced uh, in the community. And we, we get to uh, we get to see Corky's prism of the way he views these events too. The mm-hmm. one part that made me profoundly laugh is when as how in depth he got with the production of Backdraft by burning newspapers and sending them through the vents of the theater so that yep. they smoke and they had to shut down the venue for a while. That's how committed Corky is. Yep. He, he but like clearly the newspaper clipping that they show says that there was a fire in the theater so something <laughs> went wrong the headline it. the yeah. headline of that newspaper reads theater burns dozens flee and, and he was just like but we, you know we had to shut down for a little while that's <laughs> actually it's actually pretty good it kind of opens a window as we go is Corky a little more sociopathic than he lets on? Because he has these angry outbursts in the movie. It's true. He <laughs> behaves almost like a child at times, like with his temper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just throws these little tantrums. I'm kind of scared of him a little bit. A little bit. Uh, uh, this little scene also has one of my favorite lines in the movie, although I probably have at least ten favorite lines <laughs> in the movie. But this is one of them, is when Corky says, people don't like fire poked. Poked in their noses <laughs> when he's referring to, uh, you know, the the bird newspapers going through the vents. It's like when you get a cinder on the end of your nose, you yeah. know, that that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. <laughs> he, has some, he's, he has a weird way of putting things in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like bastard people. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another. ass face. <laughs> yeah. Some more of my top ten favorite lines in this movie, but. Next, before we get into any of those, next we get to meet Ron and Sheila Albertson. Mm, yes, and they they were they were the ones who were clearly in backdraft from the uh, yes. the photos that we saw. 
Uh, so they've at least had experience working with Corky. Mm-hmm. They're the schmoozers in the town. They're the one the so like they fancy themselves the socialites. They have they think they have all the friends and they're they're thespians like and they take themselves very serious. Yes, Corky calls them the Lunts of Blaine, oh, uh, which yeah. is a a deep theater reference. Um, the Lunts were a married couple who performed in many many Broadway shows together, and um, so that's why he makes that reference to uh, so Ron he, and he, Sheila. He's comparing them to a much bigger. It's, actual yes. existing couple. If, if Corky's the biggest fish in the pond, they're like the mid, they're up there yeah. in Blaine. Yeah, yeah sure. well, Corky's the hotshot director and Ron and Sheila are the hotshot actors yeah. in Blaine, Missouri. Um, Ron and Sheila work as travel agents. We get their introduction in their uh, office. Uh, we hear them on the phones talking with customers about very personal issues. Um, and then we get their one-on-one interview and... Uh, Fred Willard says how people find it ironical that although they're travel agents... <laughs> There's a lot of that use of yeah. that word in this, ironical, in this ironical. movie. Uh, later I'll get to uh, That they've never been outside of Blaine. Then under her breath we hear Catherine O'Hara whisper, well, you've been, a, you've been outside of Blaine once. Yes, yes. And uh, we... For some minor surgery. <laughs> isn't minor anymore. And so we get this surgery. <laughs> and so we don't really so we get this little peek into He's uh, hiding something. He's hiding something and yeah. she's hiding it too and the it makes everybody a little uncomfortable. And it also it beefs up the narrative. It makes it a little more spicy. It keeps your interest more. And Christopher Gus likes to do that. Like the will they won't they in Mighty Wind with right. the kiss and um <laughs> some other things, other some examples. Another yes. examples yes. insert here. Etc. So um Next, we get the introduction to uh, Libby Mae Brown, yeah. the youngest thespian in this small town troupe. Um, she works at the Dairy Queen. It's Parker Posey's character. Parker Posey, yes. Um, this is the character that I connected with the most, obviously, as a nine-year-old little girl. Mm-hmm. And um, when I would stage my own at-home productions of Waiting for Guffman... <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, so... Yeah, I get to be Libby. You I get, staged, well, I'm Libby. You staged your own show of staging a show. Well, like, not the whole movie. We would okay. just, like, you know, do the musical numbers okay. in Red, White, and Blaine, you know? Nice. We didn't do the whole movie. I wasn't, you know, that crazy, but, um, <laughs> I was pretty up there, so... Um, Libby Mae Brown's introduction, she talks about working at the Dairy Queen and how anybody can come into the DQ... Burgers, fries, Coke. Just get a Coke if you're thirsty. <laughs> get a Coke. Uh, Drive up. Coke. If you're she's thirsty. very. Uh, she seems when I when I was younger, I was like, oh man, she was really passionate about Dairy Queen. But it's like, no, that's just her life. Yeah. It's just very yeah. small. Money. Very very it's small. Very yeah. Small town. As everyone and everything in this movie really is. Not yeah. going on upstairs in most of the population. Yeah. No, and generally, like speaking, like especially later, like that this town can't be more than a couple hundred people. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. All together. Seems dead. Yeah. 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 All right, then we get uh, back to another scene with Phil, the town historian, and he talks about the UFO landing that happened in Blaine in 1946 prior to Roswell. So really, Blaine had the first UFO landing. And, you know, this wasn't just a flyby. These aliens, they came down. The people of Blaine went on board the (laughs) ship for a potluck dinner. (laughs) It's it's a potluck dinner. It's also funny because, like, 
you're starting by like explaining the scene and then eventually you just, <laughs> it just, you just it's warp just into the character. It's really funny to well, hear that. Well, I'm hoping our listeners will catch those and yeah. uh, we don't call all of them out. Oh, I'm not going to. It's, it's, it's amusing to me. That's a, it's a funny little subplot. Not really. Just like a little backstory of Blaine. It doesn't really pay off in the movie except in the show. There's a little number about this. Well, we get one history. little, one other little citizen call out to the mm-hmm. UFO landing. Well, we get a couple little scenes We uh, get David Cross with... here, right? Is this mm-hmm. his, the yep. cameo? Yeah. Yep. So then we get the David Cross cameo, um, which is amazing. Um, and he's out in the middle of this field measuring this crop circle. Yeah. And... <laughs> He talks about how idiot. how he he's such an idiot. So many <laughs> just mathematical errors yes. that don't make sense. And so he talks about how he comes out and he measures this circle and how the circumference and the diameter change, yet the radius remains the, the same, same. Which is a mathematical impossibility. Doesn't make any sense at all. And the and, weather is always the same in the circle. Oh yes, and this was a trivia question. <laughs> what is the, always the temperature? Mm-hmm. And the percentage chance of rain um, in the I'm circle. Cheating. I'm cheating. Okay. I, <laughs> well, let's, I'm, fair, let's I'm fairly guess. certain that it's 67 degrees. <sighs> with, Ooh, with a... a oh, wasn't it with a... 40% chance of humidity. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, 40% good. chance of I rain, almost said 40, not humidity. Oh, okay. I, I almost said... Well, but you got the numbers right. I almost said 43. Very though. good. I was like, was it more specific yes. than 40? Yes. And Ooh. so, I, yeah, he says that the weather's always the same. And then there are five letters in the name Blaine, which yeah. there are not. There <laughs> are six. There are six. <laughs> Take the word Blaine up. Mix it around. Eventually, you'll Mix get it around. Nabali. Nabali. Nabali, the name of a planet in a galaxy, galaxy way, 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 is that a way, way far away. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's not, but it's hysterical. And yeah. that was a great little cameo, David Cross. Thank you so much. And never again have we seen David Cross Cross pop up in a Christopher Guest no. movie. I don't know yeah. why. Sadly, it's it is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think he looks better now than he does then. Yeah, because yeah. back then he was like in his thirties and like <laughs> he looked like he was sixty. <laughs> yeah, like balding and like creepy looking. Yeah. All right, so next we get the introduction to Dr. Alan Pearl, Mm. the town dentist who also has a bit of a theater bug itch. Um, He, his grandfather, his grandfather, Chaim Pearlgut, (laughs) was in the theater business um, uh, back in 1914. He was in the sardonically irreverent Dibbick Schmibbick, I said more ham. This is one of this so juicy. This is yeah. I I don't get why this is supposed to be funny. I think like, it's inside baseball Hebrew humor. I guess maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, because Jews don't eat ham. Like kosher right. Jews don't eat ham. And well, so yeah. That's but why no, I'm... it's just the the. The, the, the title Dibbick Schmibbick colon I, I, said, I said more ham being like it's just uh, oh, Dibbick Schmibbick forget the tradition I'm a Jew I want more ham I think yeah. that's what the, the humor is in the sardonic uh, show but I, I gotta say I do not really like Eugene Levy in the he's my least favorite component in the Christopher Guest movies I hate him especially in A Mighty Wind yeah, well, oh, yeah. Oh, oh I know we're talking about Waiting for Government but just as a <laughs> as a whole it's looking at the career of Guest 
I guess Eugene Levy, although he contributes to pretty much the script of the script, the the outline, yeah, the yeah. story yeah. of the movie, of yeah. every movie. I don't like his country. I think I like him best in Best in Show. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Anyway, I, no, he that's sat okay. he sat beside the class clown when he was young. Yes. Yeah, yeah he wasn't the class clown himself, but he mm-hmm. sat beside uh, he, him and he learned him. We I sorry, he learned him. I. I studied, yeah, I studied him. him. And he, remember that picture? Of his, he's talking about his grandfather, and he's like, he was a performer of sorts. Mm-hmm. And he, they portray his nose in just the most stereotypically yeah. like oh, yeah. hook, Jewy. It's just yeah. Whoa. But although Eugene Levy himself does have a tremendous schnoz <laughs> upon his face, yeah, so. brows though. Oh, oh, those brows, epic caterpillar. Uh, for days. And then there's a photo of Eugene. I love it when they use real photos of their real lives. And mm-hmm. they, I just like that better. Because he, he did have a fro back in the SCTV oh, yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. Big that old. was a legit yeah. photo they showed. When he talks about how his dad brought him into the dental practice. Uh-huh. And now uh, that's why he's a dentist today. And then he does a, a Johnny Carson <laughs> really impression. Really off a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. It's it's bad. Yeah. I don't... He's... He, he's path- Every joke lands with a hard thud in this movie <laughs> yeah. that he makes. Yep. And in that way, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, so then now we have auditions for Red, White, and Blaine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we get to the, the big audition sequence. The one, auditions. My favorite, One of my favorite parts is the guy who does the Raging Bull scene. The only reason this movie is rated R. Is like, because of the fucks in that scene. It's rated R? Yes, it's this rated movie R is rated R solely because of this one scene. It's just too... This movie could have been like unrated completely. Yep. Yeah, like PG, even, maybe. Well, nah. no. Uh, no. <laughs> Penis PG-13. reduction surgery. Penis reduction yeah. surgery, yeah. Yeah, that would, that would have pushed you to... So would you, okay, do you think it's worth it? I guess I'll say yes. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, like, absolutely, it's totally worth it. <laughs> but like, because like the thing is, like, this movie probably wasn't going to when this movie came out, it wasn't going to have a huge audience anyway. So no. the only ones going to go see it are adults who are familiar with Christopher Guest. Until mm-hmm. people like Caitlin, who are nine years old, <laughs> see this movie and then grow up appreciating it. How, how did this movie do well? Do you know? Well, it was. I mean, it's more indie. Like I know yeah. it was like yeah. a Sundance movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly don't know like major what release. it did theatrically. Um, um, fun fact okay. about these auditions: um, a number of the people who are filmed are actual town locals uh. of where they filmed this movie, and they put up flyers saying like, "Come show us your like unique talent." Or so the Raging Bull guy. Uh, I don't know if he specifically was or if he was, like, a planted actor, like, yeah. to do this, but I know, like, the guy who does ping pong balls, like, in and out of his mouth, like, uh, he was a local. And... How about the chick that Eugene Levy clearly stares at her tits sitting next to? Oh, yeah, the belly dancer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to come be in a movie? Sure. Yeah. So Eugene Levy's going to stare at your cleavage. <laughs> um... It's a, introduct, introduce uh, Bob Balaban. Yes, character. Lloyd Miller. Lloyd Miller, yes. Uh, I, I always like him in these movies, even though he, he oh, yeah. he's relegated a straight man, but he's like the best straight man. Oh, yeah. Guy. Yeah, because he can be, like, he's one of the few guys who's funny as the straight man. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's things that he just says that's His so... expressions just alone, when he gets frustrated, you can see the, the fire in his eyes. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. So, Lloyd Miller is going to be the musical director for this show, which is very different for him because he's used to being the director. And uh, But now Corky's here, and Corky's going to be the director. And So, yeah, it's this nice, it's this, it's this really nice thing to have for this character that's not, like, they don't make a huge deal out of it, but, like, it's, it's, it's a great through line where he, he yeah. clearly 
is not a fan of Corky coming in and a little like, conflict. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. stepping, you know, but he's also not the kind of guy to come out and directly say that he's bothered by it or yeah. step on anybody's toes, and so right. he gets his own internal conflict. Which, as much well. like real life, I, people are passive, you know. Yeah, because you know, if he was that type of guy, it would not be comedy. That's the <laughs> straight, like the play. That's yeah. straight up what it is. Um. Little so teacher's I've, pet. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Next, we get Libby Mae Brown's audition of Teacher's Pet, which I also did in my living room. Um, <laughs> uh, so and everyone was like, "No one knows how inappropriate this actually yeah, kind of is." No, but. no. But um, I didn't get it either. You know, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, another fun fact is that uh, Christopher Guest didn't see any of these auditions prior to when they filmed them. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So you're seeing like his genuine reactions and like everything that. to to their auditions. And So I mean, his genuine, <laughs> genuine reactions to Midnight at the Oasis. Oh, yeah. the, oh my gosh. The biggest layer of cheese I've ever seen is yeah. these two actors doing this fucking written bit where they first, they start talking to each other, exchange dialogue, and then they segue into um, a rendition of Midnight at the Oasis. But nothing... That's a nothing gives you spoiler. the flavor of these characters better than this it, cheesy the track ass shit. suits and this. Yeah, where you're just like, God damn it, I know them, I've seen them perform before, <laughs> I hate them too. Yeah. Alright, guys, I gotta stop you though, because you went out of order. Oh, <laughs> oh god. Uh-oh. Flag on the play. Oh. Alright, so before we get to the Albertsons audition, you skipped over Dr. Ellen Pearl's audition. Which oh. is a musical medley beginning with Camp Town Races. No, it doesn't oh. start with that. Oh, is this a trivia question? Oh shit. Uh, what is what does it begin with? Oh god damn it! I don't remember. I know it just transitions into Camp Town Races. All I remember is Camp Town Races. <laughs> I dream. Oh yeah, light brown hair. <laughs> and then it goes into Camp Town Races, and then it goes back into. Uh, 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 Camp Town uh, Races? <laughs> no. Again? Uh, no, no. Then it, then it goes into... Ah, uh, shit. What is it? Way, way down, down upon the Swanee River. God damn it. The choices that How did he make. get this role? Yeah. <laughs> like, why uh, does Corky so, like him so much? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I thought the Raging Bull guy was a much better <laughs> dramatic actor than this... Uh, you fucked my wife? Do we get the balls big enough to ask you a question like that? <laughs> I'm your brother. Um, um, so yeah, we get so then there's Alan's audition, and then we get to the Albertsons audition chronologically. Um, one cheese. of my favorite, yes, yeah. one of my favorite um, unnoticed moments. So you got to have this. a little bit of onion before you get the cheese. Mm. Le- yeah, there you the go. Eugene Levy is the onion. Mm. He's just like who's the meat. Uh, Hashtag who's the meat? Oh, okay. Corky's the meat. Corky's the meat. Corky's the meat. Corky sandwich. Libby's the lettuce. Like, come on. She's just there for a little crunch, but no flavor or depth or anything. That's great. (laughs) And uh, the Albertsons are the tomato because they're they're just. By the way, this is an open face sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) There's no bread. There's no bread. Uh, Less carbs. Less carbs. Yeah. All right. Um, what, so anyway, at the Albertsons audition, one of my favorite unnoticed moments is um, when Catherine O'Hara is mouthing along the lines of Fred Willard, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something that she does. She mouths his lines as he says them and that like is such a community theater thing. Oh, God. You know, like you see that all the time and like I, not all the time, but I mean it's such a bad actor trope. Yeah, it's like but, yeah. Um, it's like one of the biggest dumbest mistakes you can make as an actor yeah. like once yeah. you get to a certain level. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so ironic how we used to see we, you know we did see people like that who seem so committed Yet made like the biggest rookie mistakes. In yeah, the like theater. do you not know how badly you just fucked up? Yeah. Like, yeah. But this is the level at which this community theater is at in this town, yeah. and, and it like, works for Corey. <laughs> like he's, he's not yes. he's okay with it. Yeah, he but loves he's it. deluded. Everybody seems deluded in yeah. this movie. Yeah. So at the end of the Albertsons, Midnight at the Oasis, Corky does all but stand up and applaud them. Mm. Um, he's cheering loudly for them. Bob Balaban is clearly not impressed. <laughs> not into the Albertsons. Yeah, the look on his face, a lot surrogate. of... Yeah. He just says, well, thank you, thanks for coming. Yeah, he's just kind of like, are you Are you kidding me? Like, the look on his face yeah. really reads like, I can't believe this myself. You like, need a, a Balaban in these movies as an access point. Because yeah. are you like, are you kidding me? These people like, are so fucking Like, this is not a reality. Yes. Yeah, he keeps... He keeps the reality grounded in the mm-hmm. movie and um before the albertsons walk out the door ron offers to strike it uh you know they know all the terminology oh, yeah. from having worked yeah. with Corky before do not wind fred willard up like yeah. don't give him any leeway Catherine because he will like just trying keep to going pull him out the door and yeah. he is like pulling himself back into the room how many more things can word. i throw in here yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 i like the the going back before they walk in they do the face thing where they turn their yeah like they're, they're warm upside up down yeah. their yeah. little snap snap yeah oh yeah snap, i used to snap, do that pull my finger yeah so wipe the smile up. yeah so one of my uh best like adult friends in the community theater was this gentleman named marty and uh, Marty, I believe, was the one who introduced us to this movie. And, like, I watched it with him, you know, 30 times. And he always played the board game with me. And he was always my Corky and I was always his Libby. And, um, you know, we called each other that for, uh, you know, as long as we've known each other. And, um, uh, oh, yeah, we used to do the Albertson snap, snap face swipe thing uh, yeah like backstage nice. before a show and, yeah that was, we would do the we did lion face lemon face i was just about to say from uh, uh jane silent, jane silent bob, bob strike ben back. affleck and matt damon and then lion we, face Ooh, uh, lemon face Ooh. <laughs> um and then we would also do the uh <laughs> we would do nicholas cage's oh yeah in gone pause. in 60 seconds let's go all right let's ride yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we would do that right before walking pre-show around. rituals uh, oh they're fun so then back at the movie mm-hmm. so next after all the auditions we have a quirky solo interview where he's talking about how he's excited about the cast and this footage here is severely edited down i remember hearing in the commentary or reading at some point that this was an instance in which in which Christopher Guest literally put a camera on a tripod and yeah. sat across the room by himself and just recorded hours and hours of himself just talking. Yeah. And this all got edited down and he said there's something like 21 hours of unused footage and a lot of it is just him talking to a camera. If he ever wanted to, and he, he doesn't, he, yeah. could make, <laughs> he could make like a 15-hour cut of Waiting for Guff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Easily. forget that. He could just make probably four different versions of yeah. the movie, yeah. like, of any of these movies. He could probably recut multiple different ways. And he doesn't do director's cuts. No, because the... they are his cuts. I mean, he, yeah. you know, yeah. he just takes two years to make them. Yeah. yeah. Which I, we were talking about that last night, because like, this movie came out in 1996, but historically, he takes like 
a good 18 months to two years to actually cut He's these movies cut together. Them, yeah. So it's like, when was this stuff actually shot? Like, this could be stuff that was shot in, like, 94, 90, yeah. for all we know, you know? It's yeah. like, I really would uh, like to know that piece of information. Mm-hmm. So Corky's talking about how he's excited about the cast. Ron and Sheila, of course, whom he's worked with before. Dr. Ellen Pearl, where did, somebody new, you know, where do these people come from? And he talks about how he ran into Mrs. Pearl mm-hmm. when he was shopping for his wife, Bonnie. Bonnie. I would love to meet Bonnie. We never I got meet Bonnie. That she doesn't exist. Of course, she probably of course. doesn't. But no, like, she I would if that doesn't. was a real character. You definitely don't think Bonnie she exists. Bonnie thinks. Oh no, definitely not. What? So is he just trying to save face for his sexuality? Yes. Yeah, sexuality. Sexuality. Being gay in Missouri. No sure. Like oh, big no no. Okay. Big no no. Yeah, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. So. I buy all of her clothes. So yeah, definitely not. I buy yes. All of her clothes. <laughs> he buys all of Bonnie's clothes and. <laughs> He ran into Mrs. Pearl, and it just was an accident. They started talking about pantyhose and whatever. That's not the point. But, um, you know, the point is that you you just find people, like in a Hitchcock movie. Um, so he's just, you know, ranting and ranting. And, uh, yeah. Around this, did we see the dance of him thrusting with the backwards pants? Oh, no, not time? yet. Okay. It's we're, coming up. We're two yeah. beats away from that. Next beat, we get to... Um, <laughs> what about, what the, about the weird alien pros with Paul that's Dooley? That's where we are. Yep. Why is Paul he in this? Dooley. Why is Paul Dooley in this Because somebody has to talk about being probed. <sighs> All right. Yeah, no, so this, is, a, this is easily, like, a minute or whatever this speech is that could be cut out, and it doesn't serve oh, really yeah. any function. No. No, it just it just reiterates the UFO story because we get the UFO in the show and we can't have it, you know, it just needs to get brought up again. And one could actually argue the it's the most immature of the you know, moment of the movie because it's like with all the probing jokes in it not like, all at once yeah, yeah like we like we get it like uh, like aliens and butt probing and all that shit like I, I like I'm with tired of setup, hearing alien probe jokes myself with, but like with all this setup I expect the movie to end with them getting abducted <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh oh no real aliens oh god <laughs> um yeah the interview ends with him that's Same. why. That's why. Light. That's why Mort Guffman didn't show up. Abducted by aliens. Abducted by All aliens. flights canceled. That'd be more interesting. <laughs> Mort Guffman. Well, and then that, nobody calls attention no, to that. No, no, it wouldn't be more interesting because then everybody would say this is just like Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Like everything's <laughs> going fine until the aliens show up at the end, and you're uh, like, "What the hell? This movie took a weird turn." So no. Maybe you got a point. So no, my favorite movie is perfect as it is. Don't try to change <laughs> it by alien adding some alien abductions. We um, um but but going with this alien stuff, I remember me and Jared were like, Christopher Guest should make a movie about paranormal investigators and make it about oh, that. Yeah. And yeah. he never did and like you you almost like we're like, we'll make it's, it. It's well yeah. the thing was that like, you know, we know that all of these quote mockumentaries, I mean that's not what he the term that he likes right. to use. But for the you know lack of better uh, description, these mockumentaries are about people who take themselves extremely seriously, like mm-hmm. even though they probably shouldn't. Like this theater community, this ridiculous community theater, circumstances. people who enter into dog shows, you know, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mascots for you know folk like, music. Yeah. yeah, folk. So it's like yeah, clearly uh, paranormal investigators is ripe for feels like people it. who take themselves but too we seriously. Digress. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, after the Citizen interview, this is when we get uh, a look into Corky working on the show, doing the fashion designs, playing with fabric swatches, and that's when we get the weird dancing with the backwards jeans. Mm. Um, 
the the yeah it's just, just there. thrusting around yeah. his, his apartment like um, why we don't know but no okay. but uh we it's see that his broad injection that you yeah i mean i don't mind the dancing it's like why are the pants backwards though like without explanation that doesn't make any no. sense at all and i'm fine with him wearing because the pajamas comedy. earlier because it looks like a funny shirt but yeah yeah backwards pants because it's funny looking that the i uh, no i think he's just trying to it. look fashionable like that's quirky sense of fashion is <laughs> these is, backwards is jeans. these backwards jeans all right then we get another title card across the screen the first rehearsal and we see all of these actors now coming together in the first rehearsal quirky is uh standing behind a uh close-eyed dr alan pearl and he's blowing on his ear and he's and you dr pearl is trying to guess you know what's you know what sense he's feeling right now and he's not blowing on his ear it's the arabian winds and bahamanian bullshit acting exercises yeah that's really all this is is weird dancing exercise with bongos that they do yeah oh my god fred willard with the scarf like jesus christ i was gonna go for you with the god again don't wind him up like don't give him (laughs) room to breathe somebody should have just smothered that fire before it got out of control and burned the forest down uh, right before that bit, though, we get to meet um, Dr. Pearl's wife, who's only introduced as Mrs. Ellen Pearl. Yeah. And uh, she, I love her. I, yeah, I love this side she's character. Really she's one of my favorites. She's and, really supportive of her husband, really mm-hmm. cares about him. I like that. She, yeah. And, you know, she's excited to get to know the creative types <laughs> um, because, you know, they don't know many people you know they have their scrabble club and yeah she's got know, this real like, other people with babies <laughs> wisconsin or uh yeah know, i don't know it's it's a little it's not exactly missouri yeah but uh it's definitely in the midwest you know yeah <laughs> um it's definitely north is she's definitely from up north yeah mm. um but i love her oh god <laughs> Um, so yeah, then we get the conga drum playing and Ron doing the scarf bit. Though I feel like that, uh, they all are like in stitches over it. Ugh. Like, I mean, shoot them all. I, I don't know. give a fuck. But like another like classical like community theater trope, yeah. you know, it's like the stupidest things just bringing all these people together, making them laugh. Yeah. Then we get um, another solo interview with Alan and how ecstatic he is that he's just walking on air, mm. um, being in this environment and how he's... Worried that he could have wasted a lot of years of his life, you know, going into the dental field. and Yeah, he's really awakened with this uh, rehearsal yeah, process. Yeah, he thinks, you know, this is what he's meant to do with his life. <laughs> then we cut over to a, uh, a duo interview with Ron and Sheila. Mm. And, uh, you know, how this is all just old hat for them. And uh, Sheila talks about Ron directing her in their scene studies at home together and how he has extensive hour, two-hour note sessions <laughs> yeah, for that's... her. And this is where you sort of get a peek into the dynamic of their marriage and yeah. what their relationship is like. He's and not, he doesn't seem like a good dude. Very, he, like, there's later when she's, like, working on his makeup, and he's like, uh, all right, now you get to go do your makeup. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have my permission. He's, like, yeah. a control like, oh, freak. No, no, fix this curl right here. Okay, yeah. yeah. I don't um, like him. <laughs> he's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Um, and then next we see Corky driving over to Clifford Woolley's trailer, introducing Clifford Woolley. Yeah, Louis Arquette. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The old fart, as it says on his hat. Uh-huh. Yeah, like he, he, very... he goes over to this guy's house to, to 
basically offer him the role of the narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like, well, why are you ringing in this old fart? Like, Because he's an old Blainian. Yeah, he knows he, about the history. He can weave that into the role. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was watching it with Katie, and Katie said, he's the best actor in that shitty cast. You got <laughs> Eugene Levy. He actually, got, like, yeah. Parker Poe's yeah, he's the only one up. with some bit of talent. He actually. hams it up a little as the narrator, but like he's actually probably the best. Yeah, it's funny. He doesn't give a fuck either. He's very passive. Uh, well, not as passive as uh, uh, Johnny... Johnny Savage. Johnny Savage. He looks like a male porn star. Yeah. Johnny, in the name, too. Yeah, so after uh, Corky convinces Clifford Woolley to join the show, then we see Corky to, going over to For one of the this, actor parts? For one of the actor parts, yeah. Um, then we see Corky going over to the Savage Auto Yard and introducing Savage, Johnny uh, Savage. Yeah. All right, next trivia question. Okay. How tall is Johnny Savage? I think I know this, and I didn't write it down. All right. 6'3". I'm going to nope. say 6'2". Six 6'2". Two. Six two. Ooh, I'm good. Johnny Savage is 6'2". But hey, wow. you guys were close. <laughs> Very uh, you know. close. Good job. Johnny Savage. <laughs> How tall is Johnny Savage? Johnny Savage. It's another one of those uh, Christopher Guest names it's... where you're like, that's not a name. <laughs> yeah. No one's named Johnny, Johnny Savage. Savage. He's not like a rock star from like London. <laughs> one day I'm going to rank all the Christopher Guest names and Johnny Savage, will, it'll be up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, uh, where so... Where will Fabian Blunt... And, uh, when Fabian Blunt... When Fabian Blunt... Corky gives out his private number to Johnny Savage. I mean, you yeah. can kind of mm-hmm. see that he's he's putting it out there a little bit. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's macking on Johnny Savage. Oh, but, definitely. But uh, BDM, Brian Doyle Murray? Yeah. He's not into that. No. Mm-mm. He's his dad. And he's like, he comes in, they do like a punch in while they're talking of Brian Doyle Murray. Like, yeah. Yeah. like just so you guys know, he's not about this. Yeah. He's not clear. He knows yeah, what this guy's it. trying to sell and he's not yeah. all about it. Mm. Trying to sell his body yaddy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But uh, so Corgi gets Johnny Savage to join the show. And then we see a music rehearsal taking place at somebody's house. Yeah. Um, you know, clearly another community. They haven't gotten the theater space yet. They haven't gotten stage time yet. So they're probably rehearsing at Lloyd's house because there's a piano there. Uh, Or it could be the Albertsons. I I don't know. Um, It's not Corky's place because it does not look like. No, because we've seen Corky's place. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's not Corky's place. But, um,. Corky's, so, Corky's apartment doesn't look like it belongs anywhere in Missouri. It looks like a New York apartment. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like a loft yeah. type of deal. Yeah. Um, so we're at this music rehearsal, and they're rehearsing this music number that ended up getting cut um, from the movie. They had to cut two musical numbers um, from the show, Red, White, and Blaine, and this is one of them. Um, nothing ever happens in Blaine, which is a precursor to nothing ever happens on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that they left this scene in of them rehearsing this music number that we never actually get to see come to fruition. Yeah, that happens in a Mighty Wind too, where you see people rehearsing songs that they don't actually perform, perform. during Germs the concert. Songs, yeah, other the, songs the skeletons of Quito. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're not going to perform that song. Yeah, that's true. Um, but in this music rehearsal, we see a little bit of Bob Bellband's incompetence as a musical director when he says all right you two sing it's all the say and you two sing it's all yeah. the same where we, really, the where we really hear the moon and like you you, you don't say, say the say. you don't say this the moon they say the no oh god um, and so <laughs> and Catherine o'hara's look on it is like even like what the fuck like what is bob talking she almost yeah. looked like it's like not the character anymore like, yeah. what, is, what is bob talking <laughs> what, about what right now saying? And then we um, cut over to Corky and Johnny sitting on the couch together, and yeah. that's where he gives him 
his uh, his so private unlist, this. unlisted <laughs> number. Don't give it to anybody. <laughs> yeah. This is just for you. You can mm-hmm. call it any time. Um, so don't lose this and don't give it to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Do not. For God's give sake, it to don't anyone. give it. <laughs> Whatever. Very yeah. protective of that. Um, and then we cut to another rehearsal, which is back at the high school in their performance space. Um, and Corky is coaching uh, Alan about um, his Blaine Faven character and how he needs to hook his thumbs under his armpits. And yeah. Really just it's one of those one-on-one push. coaching exercises <laughs> yeah. that he's doing. Like, let's, how, let's break how, down this How high, Ridge? I could not tell. Oh, and gosh. he's just pushing his, his boobies pushing out. His boobies out. And it's just going to be going out to that audience. And, you know, Alan Pearl's like, oh, yeah, I, I can tell there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. How high, Ridge? And he's like nodding along, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I get it. Just all this, you know, theater bullshit." I'm learning so much. Oh yeah, I get it. I know why we're writhing around the floor, just letting our emotions out non-verbally. But anyway, um, then we get to the stool boom rehearsal, and uh, first there we see cuts of them dancing around. Um, Clifford Woolley's playing the tambourine, and one of my favorite throwaway lines is when Corky says, "Robin in the nest." It's like, what the hell does that even mean? But he says it as like a motivational line as they're like dancing around like idiots. Or like, that's the move, the robin in the nest, that little jerky. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that jump forward. Maybe, that, maybe that's I it. I think that's what it is. Okay, maybe. robin in the nest. Robin in robin the robin nest. In the nest. It's like triple time step, robin in the nest. <laughs> and shuffle ball change. And uh, then we see them putting the number on its feet in their uh, performance space. But everybody's fucking up the lyrics. Catherine O'Hara is yeah, way off. Yeah, it reminds off. me of so many rehearsals that we had of of uh, black patent leather shoes, <laughs> like when we did that in high school, Musical. and no one knew the lyrics. And everybody's just marble mouthing it. Yeah, musicals yeah. are weird. They come together a lot slower, it seems. Yeah, we've, only, we've done a few, but it just like, everyone's yeah. like blah 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 at first, and then eventually it gets better and better. Yeah. So as the cast is fucking up the song, you just get one word. Yeah. So as they're fucking up the song, Bob Balaban gets up and slowly starts walking to Corky because he's pissed because mm-hmm. uh, the actors don't know their music and I get it. So he's walking over to Corky and then uh, everybody's just sort of like stops on Again, their own. totally rightful too. Like as the actual musical day, he's not even being like a, 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 a whiny character. Or no. anything. He's like, these guys don't know the around. actual lyrics. Or not apathy, but too much focus on the acting uh, yeah. Corky side of things. Yeah, so um, he confronts Corky about it and he tries to be polite and keep his voice low. He doesn't want to do this in front of the actors. I can't hear you. What? What are you? Why are you talking so low? What are it's you like, saying? Oh, do you need me to talk louder? <laughs> well, now that's too loud. <laughs> just, just talk, talk like, like a normal, normal person. person. <laughs> that's another one of my favorite lines. Just talk like a normal person. person. Um, and uh, yeah, and then they talk about how they need to learn the lo- the music, but then they can forget about Bob it. Bob Balaban is you, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, and then you and learn it, and then you then forget, forget it. it. <laughs> it's like, well, they've forgotten it, but they never, but they learned, never learned it. it. But if they're gonna forget okay. anyway, I don't. Why? What does it matter? It's what like does it matter. It's like one of those Zen things. It's like how many babies fit in, in the tire, tire you know like, it's like what? they all joke what? what is he thinking of in this moment no idea what is he He's referencing that quirky concerns me and then <laughs> and then bob answers with no yeah yes you do you do have a point <laughs> like again just like down backing down yeah. yeah it doesn't doesn't want the confrontation yeah. so that scene ends on that loud thud and then um we cut to uh, the double date at the local chop suey place where we have the Albertsons and the Pearls. Yeah. The per- a fucking Eugene Levy 
uh, is saying some really shitty American things about how Chinese food's better in America uh-huh. because yeah. the they sauce is sweeter. Who, yeah, they said they had friends who went over to China and you can't get a sauce as thick. They don't make it as thick over there. Oh, you ignorant bastard. And then... Um, Sheila's drunk. Yeah, way. she's wasted. From the get-go, you can tell she is drunk. No she's one had plays. too much wine. Well, maybe there's someone... But Catherine O'Hare is very good at drunk. Yeah, yes. she, she really good. is. Have you seen it again in... Um, uh, uh, she does a little bit in Orange County. For your consideration. For your consideration. Yeah, she's a mess too. Oh, at the God, end. yeah, she's a wreck. Yep. Mm. Um, so she's a great. Beautiful wreck. <laughs> so, so she's drunk. Um, she uh, asks Mrs. Pearl what it's like to be with a circumcised man. And Fred Willard gets, you know, okay, that's enough, All right. Honey. Why don't you put some food on your stomach there? Um, get some coffee over here. And uh, we reveal the bomb. Yes, about Ron's surgery and yeah. uh, what it was, and um, just some minor surgery. And uh, he said he had what most men would dream of, mm-hmm. and he had to have penis reduction surgery. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, which you don't hear about too often because you know there aren't many cases. Oh, and it. trivia question: Where did Ron go to have his penis reduction surgery done? I mm. I do know this because uh, Katie's from Missouri. And it's Jefferson City. Ding, ding, ding. Whoa. Jefferson she lives City. By Je- or she used to live by Jefferson City. So when she heard that, it's like, Jeff City. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a real city in Missouri. Woo, Not local like pride. And, and, you know, she's, uh, it's a very Missouri movie. She was telling me this is very, uh, uh, very accurate. Very, very accurate people here. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Ron talks about his penis reduction surgery. And then he stands up at the table and opens his pants to yeah. show Dr. Pearl and ask him his opinion. And, uh, I think... Go ahead. So, no, you go ahead. There's like a moment or two in every Christopher Guest movie where it ends on such a big moment like that. Where yeah. it's uh, so cartoon, but you're getting out of the scene so you get away with it more. Yeah. If it happened more yeah, in there's the middle, no, then... There's no time to actually sit with that before they quickly move on to something else. Exactly. Here's something I wanted to mention about in this scene. Uh... Catherine O'Hara, under her breath, says something that doesn't make any sense. What is it? She's like... Because I'll tell you how it makes sense. <laughs> how it makes sense? <laughs> yeah. He's... Because if he had a large penis and then had to have a penis reduction surgery, she's like, it's not minor anymore. Like, he's just like, I had to have some minors, minors, and like, drunkenly, she's like, as she's taking a sip, she's like, it's not minor anymore. Which doesn't make any sense, because he had it reduced. So what are you saying? It's not minor anymore. Are you saying... She meant major. She yeah, meant like her joke surgery. doesn't make you know it's it's a it should be the it's a bad improv inverse. joke. Yeah, you're saying? that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's a it's a it, it for me sloppy. It was slop. It was okay. a little bit of slop. Oh. That's all I'm saying. No, I I, I thought she I I thought I always took it as it ended up being more of a major surgery than they intended. Like it wasn't a minor surgery. Like uh, like you oh, interpret that, it that way. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's how I always. I think it's because it. she says it's not minor anymore that it seems like she's referring to his penis. I can see that too. Now here's here's something that I remember hearing about a long time ago. Did you ever? And maybe it was a joke in the commentary, but like, did you hear about the scene that they were thinking about shooting or something like that with Fred Willard's character? I don't there know. There was going to be a scene where he was like, because he was like athletic. Where he was running and he was supposed to be doing like hurdles. Oh, yeah. and his penis was supposed <laughs> to be knocking knocking over the hurdles, the hurdles as he like ran yeah. over the hurdles. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, that would have gotten an R. I can understand <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> I don't know if there was an actual plan, but like I do remember hearing that in the commentary. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> so uh, we reached the end of that scene and then we cut back to 
another rehearsal, and this is where Corky makes the announcement that he sent out some letters to Broadway producers and that he heard back from one from the Oppenheimer organization, a Mr. Trivia question, what is Guffman's first name? Mort. A Mort. All right, that's yeah. an easy one. Easier, I should say. I got, a, I got one. Is Maybe it's part of your game. Mm-hmm. What was the comedian's name that was on Corky's shirt in the beginning of the movie? Oh, yeah. Com- Judy Tenuta? Yeah, yeah, the Judy Tenuta shirt, yeah. which is so delightfully that, obscure. Yeah, I think that was a trivia question. Nice. Because, um, yeah, that's a... That's a tough one to catch um, if you're not looking for Judy Tenuta. Judy Tenuta. Wow. Most people don't even know who Judy Tenuta is. It's really funny. Judy Tenuta is one of those <coughs> names where it's like only the people who are like from the area that she's from like really <laughs> still know her. Because like when I used to perform at the Barrel of Laughs, they used to always make a big deal about Judy like some Tenuta. of the names that have came through. You know, like Judy, Judy Tenuta, Tenuta was on the stage and Emo Phillips and people Jeff were like, Garland. who the fuck is Emo Phillips and Judy Tenuta? Like no one knew who they were <laughs> at the time. Weird Al's friends. Yeah, that's yeah, it. <laughs> friends of Weird Al. So we're at the rehearsal, and Corky announces that Mr. Mort Guffman is going to come see their production of Red, White, and Blaine and enlighten them with his comments. And Libby says, wow, what does this mean, Corky? <laughs> and he says, it means we may be going to, <laughs> to Broadway. Broadway. Which is so delusional. Don't say anything, Corey. The, the movie gets much more sad right now at yeah. this moment. I get sad for everybody because there's yeah. no way in fucking hell they're ever going to get to Broadway. And it's weird because essentially the exact same thing happens in For Your Consideration where yes. they're like, yeah. we may be getting, getting an Oscar, Oscar. And then it's like, okay, I... well, everyone's yeah. sad from here on out because nobody's getting that Oscar. Except yeah. for the guy, except who, for the guy who doesn't yeah. care about winning the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Spoilers. Um, Oh, yeah. We are going to do for your consideration, so I guess. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So um, now everybody thinks that they may be going to Broadway, so now we get a series of interviews with the cast and um, what their expectations are um, should they be going to Broadway. We start with Libby Mae Brown at the local pool hall. And how she talks about how... Just hanging out at a pool hall. (laughs) And there are, like, four pool tables in this, like, room that I think is way too small to be housing four full-size pool tables. like Kramer and uh, George's... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so she talks about how she got out her aunt's atlas... And how New York is really an island. What it is. is what, what it, it is. is. It's an island. It's an island. If you didn't know this already, she's going to educate us it's on an, what New it's York is. an island is. is what it is. And, you know, she just hopes to go there and maybe meet some guys, some Italian guys. <laughs> I don't know, watch TV and stuff. Uh, That's all she wants to do. She just wants to meet an Italian guy. And I don't care. TV we can watch TV. I just want to meet an Italian guy. Yeah. She's very simple. That's it. And then that's the end of her interview. Then we uh, cut to the Albertsons in their home. And um, they talk about how they really want, like, Broadway's great, but they really want to end up in Hollywood. And that's their, you know, uh, lifetime goal is to end up on the silver screen. Um, this is the first scene also I wrote down that I... You really start to notice Sheila's out of control bangs. Yeah, um, they're like they get the, higher I, and higher. Yes, and this is the scene where I wrote down Sheila's bangs because <laughs> this is the first one really worth noting. Um, I remember, I think for Halloween one year, maybe I did a little Sheila costume and just so I could maybe. do the bangs. Yeah, maybe I did a little Sheila Albertson costume just so I could do the bangs. Did I you mean, wear a tracksuit or what did you wear? Um, I think it was uh, more like. 
couples costume. That's what we'll do. We'll get some track suits. We'll get yes. some green track yes. suits. And oh great. my gosh, yes, amazing. Give me a um, scarf, and I could go on for forty-eight minutes. Oh, I was to gonna do. go for you, the man. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no, I went like this. Um, so yeah, Sheila's bangs are you know straight up. Yeah, out, out, out of, of her head, out of control. Um, they look like they belong on like uh, fucking. What's her, the Deets? What's her, uh, her character? Her character in uh, Beetlejuice. Yeah, what's her, what's oh. her first name? I, uh, can't think of it. I don't know, but speaking of which, in this scene, she talks about how she, she talks without dialogue in scenes by closing her eyes. Yeah, the less is more kind of acting. And Katie was like, Catherine O'Hara does that in Beetlejuice. She does. <laughs> she actually <laughs> does do that exact thing. Wow. <laughs> so she's, she, what she did was she improvised her process to us <laughs> in, as a character in this movie. Um, and Ron also gives us some impressions. Um, that's what he's oh, known for gosh. is his impressions. <laughs> yeah. And she always has to ask after I do them, which is the <laughs> Who am I? should never have like, to ask. Yeah, no. But she always laughs at him. Uh, All right, and then we get an interview with Corky in the kitchen of his apartment. He's yeah. got this very uh, decorated apron on. He's cooking way too many pigs in a blanket. But, and, like, uh, not only is he cooking way too many, but do you need an apron for pigs in a blanket? Exactly. There's nothing that you need to have an apron it, for. It's for. It's for the cameras. Um, mm-hmm. And he's smoking a bunch of cigarettes, too. In this interview, I, I get the impression his personal stakes are very high, but also... In his sort of backstory, he makes it seem like he's been exiled from New York. He says he wants to go back on his own terms, and I never got the impression that he had a falling out, like, in any way. Well, he said Once that... Once he burned down the theater, you know? <laughs> oh, I guess so. No, that was in Blaine. Oh, he, oh that's true. That's yeah, true, he didn't true. burn down a theater in New York. Um, so, another trivia question is, uh, how many offs of Broadway did Corky uh, get slammed down? Uh, four? I'm going to guess 16. Oh, gosh. No, no. No, <laughs> no it's four. Okay. Off, 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 off Broadway. Broadway. Oh, I didn't get the question. I thought you were asking how many shows. Like, did he mention that he oh, tried to, like, no. mount? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, never mind. No. How far, did, <laughs> how far down from how Broadway far did he get bumped? Of, uh, 16 blocks. 16. <laughs> no. A couple um, miles down. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Corgi's very anxious about it and... Uh, yeah, talks oh about how he got fresh off a destroyer with nothing but a uh, something and a tube of chapstick. I just know that a tube mm-hmm. of chapstick was. I don't know. What are the two things Corky got off the destroyer with? Yeah, trivia question. That's all I know is the chapstick. Tube of chapstick and nothing but a dance belt and a tube of chapstick. <laughs> wait till wait till Guff Cast is premiered and Caitlin hosts. <laughs> you guys are in for a treat. She's nineteen episodes. You should do. You should do the. You know they do the Star Wars minute. They take one minute at a time and talk about it for an hour you should do a Guffman minute oh and talk about one minute of the movie I, I that's truly waiting for Guffman <laughs> yeah uh, I don't think I would attract nearly enough uh, mm. listeners for that, but uh, thank you for the idea <laughs> yeah. and the encouragement. Um, so next scene we get is Corky going to the town council and um, he's it's very difficult for him, but he has to ask for more money. Yeah, a lot and more. A lot more. And so he asks for how much? $100,000. $100,000. And the council pretty much laughs, actually literally laughs in his face. Yeah. And trivia question, how much is the actual annual budget for Ooh. the city of Blaine? I know. Ooh. I, okay, you know? Yeah. I'm going to guess... 
15 K. Yes. Yep. All right. Yeah. yeah. 15,000. And that includes the, the pool. And that, that includes the pool. Well, I don't have any swimming in my show. <laughs> oh, no, but we have to clean the pool. That is such a Nigel Tufnell reaction. Yeah. Please go to 11. Yeah. Yeah. There's no swimming. There's no swimming in my show. So great. Yeah. Well, if they're going to forget it anyway, well, what's the deal like that? Why do they even have to learn it? So stupid that you're brilliant. And then, um, the scene ends with um, Corky getting very mad and frustrated, and uh, one of I think like the most iconic Corky line is, uh, "You're you're bastard people, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna bite my pillow is what I'm gonna do." Yeah. And then he storms out. And he he snaps. He's he's. Uh, I'm, I'm, his mental, uh, yeah. uh, where he's at. Like what you're saying is, I have nothing, and what can I do, do with it. nothing? I have, I can't I, do anything. I can't with do it. anything with it. Um, I remember you're, you're, you were really influenced by Guest, and yeah. we made a movie. It's called Marilyn Stress, based kind of like on Spinal Tap. Yeah. no, it's just a rip off yeah. of Spinal Tap. But we had also a scene where you fed a line. You were like, "Say you're gonna go home and bite your pillow." Oh, <laughs> You were really steeped in guest uh, in, oh, at yeah. fourteen or at so. At fourteen, yeah. when I when I, when you can make those plagiarisms without uh, without feeling middle guilty school is when you can do that when you yes. can plagiarize without feeling guilty. Yes, yes. and then uh, so next scene we're at rehearsal. Uh, Libby and Sheila are talking about uh, Libby putting petroleum jelly on her skin yeah. and. Uh, just a little so chit chat before in this rehearsal. Scene. They're yeah, like, they're so mean to him. They're like, apathetic. Stop. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> He's like, guys, 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 um, gather up. You're gonna. Have and they're talking about nothing. To... Yeah, yeah they're okay. Just... Hang on, like you're not the director. Stop. We don't care. Yeah, we don't guys, respect guys, you, guys, guys. But he's guys. so serious about yeah. it, guys. We need to have a conversation. All right, and we need to be serious now. Like he's talking to yeah. like a group of kindergartners. He's not fun at Everybody, all. No, listen to me. Listen up. Listen up. And then Ron interrupts with, "Are we gonna be doing some?" Vocalizing because I need to clear my throat. Oh God, yeah. Whoopee cushion, gotta... like literally the most. I thought chart. about this when I woke up this morning. I was gonna do it. We ever <laughs> had a scene where we were rehearsing. So that uh, clearly establishes the dynamic between Lloyd and the group, and uh, then Lloyd announces to everybody that Corky has left the show yeah. and he is taking. And he's taking over. over. Corky. And then immediately cut to them driving to Corky's. They said, "Fuck Corky." <laughs> So the cast shows up at Corky's place. We love you. We want you to live. We want you to live. <laughs> I, used to, I used to say that outside Is she drunk now? <laughs> I used to say that. No, actually, um, yeah. We want I, you to live. Corky, we love you. We want you to live. I used to say that outside Marty's dressing room at the community theater. I'd like knock on the door. Marty, Marty, we love you. We want you to live. He's like, I'll be right out, Caitlin. What, where does she think she is? Yeah. What does she think is wrong with him? And then we get um, a shot, which is uh, considered the most uh, questionable. Controversial, if Controversial, you will. if you will, is the shot of Quirky in the bathtub. Now, if this is really being pitched as a documentary, the documentary crew wouldn't be in his sure. bathroom at that time to film that shot of him in the bathtub, but guests thought it was too important to not include. Mm. Um, However, I also disagree. I do think really? that having seen this as Spinal Tap, where they're clearly interviewing a man who's sitting in a bathtub at one point during the movie, I think that it could have been written off as like he got in the tub, he's relaxing, and then they came in to interview him, and you know. It could have. It, it could There's have been more with rock stars than there is uh, drama yeah, directors. I guess so. Alone, but I see what you mean. Well, yeah, I don't know. 
But, but yeah, yeah, controversial. You get the bathtub shot, and um, yeah, so, and then the cast doesn't get into his apartment. They're left outside. And now we start the series of cast interviews of them being broken about the show. That's the lost point here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you want to talk about sad. So, Libby Mae Brown's interview. There is... Her barbecuing a single chicken thigh. There is nothing sadder than grilling a single, single piece, piece of, of chicken. chicken. <laughs> it's a gray about sky. DQ, DQ took Smoking her back. a cigarette. Yeah. yeah. And she talks about how she can always go back to the DQ. You know, I'll always have a place at the, D, at the, at the Dairy at, Queen. At the Dairy That's, Queen. That is the saddest line. One of the saddest lines. She's fanning lines. it fanning with a, paper a piece plate. Of, oh, paper God. Plate. It's so sad looking. We got we have family who owns a Dairy Queen, and yeah. they would literally say, there's always a place for me at the Dairy Queen. I still think it's one of the saddest things <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Aww. I'm sorry. No, I, there's nothing wrong with owning it, but, like, just... There's more. <laughs> There's more. There's more than Dairy yeah, Queen. Come on, Libby. You can do Brown. more than just go back to the Dairy yeah. Queen. Mm. Then we cut to um, the Albertsons. Sheila is crying. And then Ron talks a lot about football. About Again, his, because yeah. he was an athlete. Football team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how their quarterback went down and how they didn't cry about it. You know, they got up. And she says, you're just strong, Ron. You're just a big prick. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, how they went out and... Um, oh, I think a trivia question was like, what are the two team names that Robert I just know that he, they, they, they went out and beat the pants off of Blessed Mother Mary the next day or something. Uh, I don't even know if that's right. I think it, I, Saint something. Do you know it? Do you know it? Um, well, one of them is Harry Truman High School. That, okay. And... Uh, Blessed Heart of Mary. Blessed oh, Heart of Mary is, is the one that they mm-hmm. did after Harry Truman. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The next week they went out and, and beat the pants, pants off, off of Harry Truman, Truman High, High School. School. And, and, and they and, mopped the floor with a Blessed Heart of Mary. And they went on to win the state championship. That's right. It's like a third degree separation yeah. from the actual champions. Yeah. You know, if he did the research for Jeff City, though, I wonder if he'd like research high schools. Yeah, or, like, I don't know. I wonder. Mm. Um, and then we get to see Dr. Ellen Pearl in a bowling alley. Bowls a gutter ball. That for some reason it's so funny to yeah, see him bowl so that funny. gutter ball. Because he like prances like fucking Fred Flintstone <laughs> like, and yeah. immediately goes and then, to the yeah, it immediately yeah. goes. And then I love he does when, that like darn. I love when things fail immediately. Like when yeah. people are all jazzed about doing something and then instantly it's a failure. Yeah. That's Cabin the best. In the woods, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, on the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's hiding that he's upset about. Oh the yeah, end of the he's show. clearly broken by it, but he says that it's not important at all. He doesn't. He doesn't think about it. He tries not to think, think about, about it, it so, so then, he doesn't. Which therefore leads to not thinking about it. And uh, you know, in the big picture, this is not not important at all. And his nice wife. Then we, yep, we see Mrs. Pearl and how she. You know, I just feel so bad for Corky. Uh, you know, I know, I know he's got a wife. He's got a wife. You I know, never I, even seen his I know, wife. I know she's out of town, you know. I, you know, I haven't seen her. In fact, I've never I seen her. I've never seen her. <laughs> Maybe that's just part of the problem, you know. Maybe she's just not supportive. Not a supportive wife. She's she needs to blow the whistle so on this whole not supportive. Bonnie thing. Yeah. This is what I write in the notes, by the way, that we as a group on this podcast need to talk about Bonnie. Yeah. Like, is she real? And I, we covered it already. You seem to think yeah, no. no. No, definitely. I, I, I 
I still think it would be great to meet the beard, like his beard. Like, like she clearly she's not like, a genuine love interest, but yeah. like to meet the character and best friend. Oh, I would just want it to be a guy. Like I want somebody, a guy named Bonnie. Like, somebody to like walk in. His and name's like, to, like Bob, but he calls him Bonnie like yeah. secretly. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I don't know. Like, I, I, I just yeah, don't buy it. Um, <laughs> then we get a scene back at Corky's apartment where the town council has come to convince Corky to come back to the show. They and don't have any money, but... <laughs> but they need him. Yeah. But they need him. And, you know, everything hinges on Corky coming back to the show because, you know, it's it ain't going to happen with Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Lloyd is a music teacher, and he shops at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't even, support the community. He doesn't even support the town. When I heard that, I was like, what's wrong with... Oh, I get it. He doesn't... He, it's a good point. He and doesn't support the town. Another, like, small town mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, you should shop mom and pop. Like, support the town. Don't shop at Walmart. It's a community. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not going to happen with Lloyd. And, uh, you know, then the mayor talks about what happens if this show doesn't happen. Then the whole... You know, celebration is going to be ruined, and then, you know, the town of Blaine is going to go down, and let me tell you, Blaine is the heart of Missouri, and, you know, what happens if Missouri goes down? You You tell tell me. me. (laughs) (laughs) What happens if Missouri goes down? You tell tell me. me. Yeah, so they want Corky to come back, put his little magic on the show, and you see Corky smirking at the end of that scene, and then he we... won, I guess. Yeah, and he then He thinks we, he did. Yeah, he didn't get anything extra. I mean, all well, he did was waste time. All he yeah. wanted was some, like, validation, a pat on the head. Mm-hmm. It's really it. Yeah. So we hear the applause as the as the shot transitions over to the cast applauding at Corky, Corky's return to the yeah. show. Uh, Bob Balaban standing off to the side at the piano looking like Not a Not looking pleased at all. Wow. <laughs> I thought he was going to sabotage the show when I first saw the movie. Like, he's, oh, yeah. Oh, it's pissed. Like, he's oh, gonna like do he's going to set fire now to Now you got a villain, like an actual villain. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so uh, they all cheer for Corky. They're all excited. And Corky says, let's just pretend that it never happened. And uh, over the next five days, put a good show together. So we're going into tech week here. And he says, let's jump into Covered Wagons, which is the opening number of the show. (laughs) And And then we get introduced to this amazing orchestra. Yes. And this is where we get to see... For a small town. They're very very good. And this is where we start to see another thing that you see in certain community theaters, which is incredibly surrounding support for the production, whether it's the orchestra and the sets and the costumes, all of which are completely stellar in the production of Red, White, and Blaine. Yeah. The sets are amazing. The sets yeah. are phenomenal, and the crew is amazing, the costumes are on point, the orchestra is beyond comprehension the for the is small. questionable. And yeah. the acting is just terrible. It doesn't live up to everything surrounding no, it. Like All exactly. the ingredients that went into this made the blandest soup possible. Exactly. <laughs> and... I, I, I love that about this movie. I love that they made those decisions. And um, so we hear the amazing orchestra and they, you know, all romp around rehearsing covered wagons. And we sort of get a Tech Week montage. We see the sets being put together, being painted. Um, we see the cast rehearsing. And this is done um, to them singing the stool boom. Yeah. And uh, they're driving re- song. Yeah. Um, it's the Act One finale. Uh, and. Um, you know, they're rehearsing the dances and Corky gets a little one-on-one time with Johnny Savage as he demonstrates a move or a lift that Libby's a little hesitant to do. Um, which maybe that's the reason why Johnny really quits. It, it might be. Spoiler. I, I think Not it, sure. I think BDM. 
Yeah, yeah like, BDM. Nope. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. So what happened to that fan belt then? That shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we get a Tech Week montage. He's and a then... bubble boy. <laughs> I just needed to say bubble boy. <laughs> he had to get it out. I right. had to say bubble boy in that voice. Right, Continue. I'm glad you got it out of your system. Um, and then next we get a scene of Corky talking to Alan about his glasses. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it's another feet moment. Taking. Putting so much authenticity into this stupid yes. little community play. So he says that in the time of Blaine Fabin, uh, glasses were not a thing. And so Dr. Pearl should not be wearing his glasses <clears throat> in the opening scene when he plays Blaine Fabin. Dr. Allen says, uh, you know, okay, that's fine. Uh, just a couple problems. You nothing, know, nothing, nothing we can't. Nothing we can't fix. <laughs> nothing we can't but, fix. But um, uh, despite popular belief, I do not see very well without my glasses. Oh, Eugene Levy making a joke. Oh yeah, and then he Not also, <laughs> but he also has a very lazy eye, and he yeah. takes off his glasses and crosses his one eye. And That's then funny, right, guys? He looks. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, no, no. You know what? I mean. It's okay. I'll give it to him Maybe for that. It's okay, mean. but what... Not everybody can cross a single eye. That's what but, I'll say. As but somebody, he, you know, like, he didn't do it consistently because he crosses the one eye, then he looks down, shifts his gaze downward, then he looks back up at the camera and you see both of his eyes are crossed. Uh, it's a quick it's a quick cut and the, because then after he looks up at the camera and both his eyes are crossed, he quickly like looks back down and puts his glasses back yeah, on. I so he, he couldn't but hold it for no, long enough, I guess. he couldn't. He couldn't and that disappointed me. I see. Um, but... I could do it for the next couple minutes if I wanted to. Yeah. Get stuck that way. Yeah. And then, uh, so next we get another title card across the screen. The day of the show. Mm-hmm. The day of the show. The day of the show. And uh, we see the town in celebration mode. The drab festival. Yeah, we that's... See a, that's... A, a children's choir uh, performing the this song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where I was like, yeah, again, it's like... This town, this is like the most bare bones celebration. They got like a couple grills. They got a choir, a, you know, a banner. And again, they chose the grayest day they could possibly find. Oh, we're going to be completely overcast this weekend. It'd be a great day to have a parade yep. going down one block Good. and then turning Turning the a corner. Block. Very exciting. Good yeah. setting for like a Stephen King novel where an out-of-towner, like his car breaks down in Blade. And just he gets in the soci- embedded yeah. in this evil society. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it writes itself. So after we see that overview, we're back with the cast um, on the stage and they're doing, you know, some last minute rehearsing. Ellen is talking to the crew about getting off of the horse as Blaine Fabin, this yeah. big, you know, wooden horse. Um, and he can't get past the cows because they're pushed too tightly together. And, you know, that's a problem. And These are all things that probably should have been worked out earlier in Tech Week, not it. the day yeah, of the show. Not the yeah. day of the show. Probably. And then uh, the phone rings. Uh, Parker Posey answers <laughs> it and she gives it to Corky. It's for you. It's Johnny. And so Johnny's on the phone and essentially tells Corky that he can't do the show. Mm-hmm. His dad says he has to go back to work. He can't do the show, and uh, Corky uh, starts yelling at him over the phone and ends with another, like the second most classic, iconic Corky line in this, which is, "Then I just hate you, <laughs> and I hate your ass face." Emphasis on the face. Your um, ass face. We made yes. a movie, all three of us. Yep. And this mm-hmm. scene reminded me of a scene in the beginning of the movie where you get a call. And Absolutely. And I didn't realize, did we subconsciously, because you, you even have a, in the scene you go, I don't, I accept, don't accept that. that. I, I feel, he says that. <laughs> yeah. here's the thing. I do not accept that. We, um, I can't remember. We, I mean, we use it different. Like, this is like the, the absolute, like, loss point of the movie, you know, mm-hmm. if you will. 
for us, it was the inciting incident. Besides movement, though, just the, the content of the scene itself. I mean, like, how di- how much different could it be? Like, somebody says, yeah. I'm not going to be in the show. I just I, thought I, it was I, funny. I, what, no, what I, was, what I was going to acknowledge is the fact that I do think the I don't accept that was intended to be an homage uh, when we when it was written. Okay. I don't recall that. I maybe maybe we just ripped it off. I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, let's see. Um, so, Johnny's not going to do the show. And so then it cuts to Corky in the dressing room trying to squeeze into Johnny Savage's pants. Yeah. Um, his costume pants, not the pants that he's currently wearing. He's What's not the line there. he says about, like, the side? I'm about five inches away. I'm trying to commit I'm to one side. I'm certainly trying to commit to one side here, dear. <laughs> and I'm about five inches away. Um, I think that was also a trivia question is how far uh, away is Corky from closing How many Johnny's inches? <laughs> yep. Um, and then we see the audience filing in, the orchestra's tuning up, the actors are getting ready, um, we get different cuts of the actors, uh, I'm destroying my makeup! Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, the overture is going on, it's this very serious overture, like, yeah, every, mm-hmm. like, especially Bob Balaban, you would think that he was... Oh, they're all in tuxedos. Yeah, he's into it. In this, you would think he was doing his, this is Mr. Holland's opus right here, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the cast back there, a lot of chatter backstage, mm-hmm. you know, memory, you know, line going over It's so familiar, stuff. too. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that last minute scramble, like, oh shit, where's the, that one last, like, that one prop that I where's really... Where's my lilac dress? Where even the AD, who you haven't met until, like, a week prior to the show, is so excited. That sort of energy is contagious yeah. backstage yeah. at yeah. the show. Oh, uh, we're drying Clifford Woolley's pants because he peed his pants a little bit. Is that what is that why? Yeah. I didn't, I, I, I didn't know why. Because oh, all it is it? is just or her blow drying and goes, that feels good. Like, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, there's a wet spot. Like, it... Well, no, I know that they're drying his pants, but, like, is it... I think oh, you I can just... infer that he pissed himself. Yeah. I just I didn't grab it. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, no. Yeah. I just thought, I just took it as like he must have spilled something on himself, like an idiot. Oh, he was gosh, drinking no, I... or eating in costume, you yeah, know, like another actor. Oh no, mistake. I just took it as he was so old he just had incontinence issues. Oh, all okay. right. I, I, I didn't right. I didn't read the uh, the comedy that way. Well, it wasn't quite as filthy as. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not directly stated, so I guess it could be interpreted either way. You know. You yeah. know what? That's a great thing about these movies. It's <laughs> it's open to it's open to interpretation. Great. Um, so we see the audience filing in, and we get a shot of a front row seat with a reserve sign on it, um, yeah. which we all know is uh, the seat that is waiting for Guffman, if you will. Yeah. Um, and the seat is remaining reserved, and the orchestra finishes, and um, you get this funny shot of one of the like the six guys in the orchestra blaring this high note on the trumpet and then banging the timpani drum. Yeah, he has to play two instruments at the same time. That poor yeah. guy has to play percussion and horns and at the same time. He's not That's crazy. And then it's at like the end of the overture where the actors are given their places call. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that, that's a yeah, little. That should have been uh, going on there. Yeah. I've been in many many shows, and we're always given places before the overture begins. Certainly not after. Um, so a little bit of an error. Yeah, because you need the there. couple minutes where you're sitting there waiting for the show to actually start, where you yeah. make like a face to the person standing in their <laughs> position, or you just you hump the air around them or something like that yeah. to yeah. throw them off. Um, so That's what you do in when you're in a community play, right? You right after the they're... Libby comes back and says that he's not there, that Guffman's not there. The reserve seat is empty. Right. And the cast starts to freak out a little bit, and Corky calms everybody down and says, I know these New York types, they always come late. 
He's going to be here. Let's just do a good show. And then he says, hands in the middle, which is another thing Marty and I would do with a lot of our community theater friends. Mm -hmm. Hands in the middle. And then, you know, in most times of a tradition like this, you're like, something on three, you know? But everybody here just puts their hands in the middle and goes, oh! Which, like, doesn't really do anything, but, like... Sure. No, it gets you warmed uh, up, I guess. I guess. Yeah, so oh. that was always funny to me, is that they didn't actually say anything. They just went, whoa! Well. And then the show begins. Red, yeah. White, and Blaine. Clifford Woolley is the narrator, intros the show, um, talks directly to the audience. In a, I didn't oh, see I, you there. I didn't I see you there. I fucking hate those kinds of jokes. Oh, God, yep. yeah. But the the crowd loves it. They're, yeah. they're laughing at him. They're already, they're you know, entranced by it. Um, Especially Michael Hitchcock, he's yeah. every word. He's in tears and eyes, tears in his eyes. I guess at some point, he's Absolutely, he takes flash photos during the show. <laughs> he's all about it. Um, and because so, he's gonna paste his own face over some of the actors, probably. he's that crazy. He's probably, go yeah. probably. Um, so Clifford Woolley intros the show and wants to tell us the story of Blaine, mm-hmm. and then um, we get the old timey scene of the settlers. Uh, being led by Blaine Fabin, played by Dr. Alan Pearl. And his glasses are off. And his glasses are off, and we see his lazy eye. He does a big take to the audience with his lazy eye. Everyone see this? You can can see he's getting laid tonight because his wife is just so transfixed by him. When he comes out, she wants to applaud. She starts to applaud and then stops when she realizes... It's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But he's she's so laid into tonight. It. That's oh all I yes, say. Yeah. definitely. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, as the play goes on, she gets more and more into it. Mm-hmm. The, the alien bit. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but well, let's get to there first. So then we get the opening number, which is covered wagons. Mm-hmm. Um, a cute little line when Corky looks at the audience and says, "Everybody dance." Everybody dance. <laughs> Then they go into their little dance break. The music is so well written, though. I love all of the songs in here. Um, A lot of the humor of of guests replacing Johnny is that all of his roles were masculine. Yes. And just hearing it come out of Corky's mouth is just pathetic. Yeah. Yes. Um, And then we get... uh, The next scene is the President McKinley doing the train stop in Blaine. Why not Blaine? I thought... (laughs) What they said we were going to yeah. <laughs> I said. They told me my next stop was trivia Wichita. question. Uh, Wichita. But I said, why not Blaine? Blaine? Again, just like I the people I, of Blaine. I guess I need why a not? new travel agent. Oh, the meta joke. <laughs> then of yeah. course you know his character snuck in. He didn't tell Corky. No. You know he just went I'm going to plug my travel agency. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, uh, there should have been a shot of Corky like looking angry. Yeah. That would have been that. great. Yeah. yeah. But then Corgi comes up playing little Jimmy McBean. It's a footstool. I make, I make them. them. He turns to the audience to say that. And, uh, oh, and Eugene Levy plays the mayor of Blaine in this town and presents President McKinley in honor of our visit, your visit, to our town. Another classic community theater trope when somebody says the com- so confidently says the wrong thing, yeah. pauses, and then- corrects themselves. <laughs> And then continues on. In honor of all visit. Your visit? visit to our <laughs> town. And then Fred Willard gives you this see look Fred like you Willard amateur. Like, like, oh, you fucked that up. Well, I reckon the key is bigger than, than the, the town. City, no. The key to the city is uh-huh. bigger than the city itself. And then you hear this big thud and he throws it behind himself. <laughs> I love that. 
Um, and then they all back off stage, go hurrah, hurrah, waving goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then um, they all get backstage. Intermission? Nope, not yet. Oh, okay. And they say, he's here, he's here, Guffman's here. He just got mm-hmm. seated. Because right before the McKinley scene, we see a gentleman being ushered into that reserved seat, so we can only assume that that is Mort Guffman. And so the whole cast backstage after that scene is saying, he's here, he's here. What should we do? Should, should we start, start over? over? Let's, let's do covered let's wagons do again. Let's do covered wagons again. <laughs> and uh, then we get some more Clifford Woolley narration, and he talks about how Blaine became a booming town after that Uh how the stool boom came into town and the stool and boom. How can, everybody was. Can we just talk for one moment about how, like, if as the narrator of this story, he began by talking to us about beans. Yeah. <laughs> Big fat juicy Hot, beans. Juicy and then, beans. I lo- and then that he reminds says, now me. Now that I've got your ear. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I know how much you guys I like beans. Mind yeah. With you. Oh mm-hmm. God. He's just like, and this just this all started on beans. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, Blaine script. was on the map. Act one finale of Stool Boom. Everybody's in jumpsuits, um, and they're all dancing with the stools, and we see some really cool uh, set pieces come in, these turning co- you know, wheels never with stopping, cogs. Never stopping, never working. Yeah. Never Always stopping. Working. It never seems sleeping. to me like all of these stools are made by hand, so why these giant cogs are in the background, I don't quite understand. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what part of the factory... Industry. It just right. represents industry right. and industrial boom. That's all you need to know. And uh, one of my favorite moments is the final moment of this scene where everybody's wiping the sweat from their brow and everybody drops their hand at a different time. That's a very community theater thing. And like where also, nobody's in sync on that. Yes. Well, also personally, having worked as a choreographer, a move like that, and especially as like the last note is drawn out, there's no specific like beat at which you can choreograph right. everybody to like, boom, hit that move. And so, like, it's just such a poor choice. <laughs> and so, like, to see that all, like, deliberately done there's, was very funny for There's me. something else that happens in this play yeah, that's they, similar. They, they hold a pose at the end. And this is how I remember. And Parker Posey, it can't hold still. Like, is that what you're... Because no, that got me. There's, well, there's that. that. But there's also this one thing where there's, like, there's supposed to be... I, maybe it's um, during Nothing Ever Happens in on Mars, but, like, there's this point where they're, like, supposed to do, like, almost, like, this thing where it's symmetrical on either side of the stage, but Christopher Guest is going in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, yeah, it's, like, three people, and then, like... Are together, and then one person's off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the... So then we're at intermission. Interviews with the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Michael Hitchcock. <clears throat> he just lays it on the line. Yeah. I, God, God, I, God, I wish I was in the show. <laughs> He's really glad that Johnny Savage wasn't a part of the show. He hates he, Johnny he, Savage. He came into the pharmacy one time and tried to steal his tried stamp to machine. Steal, so yep, tried to steal his stamp. He's no good. So, you know, you could tell by his parents he's no good. Um, we get an interview with Mrs. BDM? Pearl. BDM? Brando Murphy. You're saying you can tell by BDM that he, that Johnny Savage is oh, no good? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look, you I don't know. look at BDM and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if he's... I don't know uh, if you raised a good son. Yeah, from your soup. Uh, we get an interview with Mrs. Pearl. Uh, you know, she knew that Alan could, you know, move and dance, but, you know, his dramatical work... He, he's that Because, you know, you know, he's that way, but, you know, his dramatical work has just been, you know... I had to call uh, Joyce and tell her to bring... What's the name of their son? Joshy. Joshy. All right. I had to tell her to bring Joshy at halftime because, you know, I'm just busting. So, uh, yeah, she's saying she's got a breastfeed. She's, all, she's, all she's got to breastfeed him, yeah, because yeah, she's so engorged because she's so aroused by the talent of her husband on stage. 
She's got okay. As you do that voice, I'm like she's a really sweet, supportive wife. But I think if I lived with her, I was like, shut up. I can't yes! listen. Shut up. Okay. Well, Please. imagine being the woman having to listen to you oh, being God. Lenny's voice. Yeah. yeah. At each so other's throats. And his bad as Johnny Carson impressions. <laughs> no dances. Nebby's mongoose. You're right. They're right for each other. Yeah, yeah they're they perfect. are. They yeah. are definitely meant for each other. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, we get those interviews, and oh, um, at one point, uh, Steve Stark, the pharmacist, compares Corky to Barbara Streisand. Yes, um, there's only one other person who could do what Corky does, and that's who, Barbara Streisand. I knew he could act and direct, and you know, but who knew that he was going to act and sing and dance? And there's only one other person in the world who can do that, and that's Barbara Streisand. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought he admired him, and then it's sexual in this viewing. I'm like, he he wants to fuck the Corky. Oh, like, yeah. Because he gives him a look it later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He gives him the up and down oh, is yeah. their last interaction. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so then we get into Act 2. Um, oh, and before we get into Act 2, so the Stool Boom was the Act 1 finale, but it wasn't supposed to be. The original Act 1 finale was supposed to be a number called This Bulging River. Which, That's the Kate, the one Katie was like. There's missing one, and it had like strings in the background to represent water mm-hmm. flowing. Yeah, it's yeah. in the it's in the deleted scenes um, mm-hmm. on the DVD, um, so you can watch it. It's a great. It's a very long number, so I understand why it was cut. And um, they cut out uh, any other story ties about like this massive flood in Blaine. So you know they were able to cut around it, so you didn't really miss it as much as I think you miss nothing ever happens in Blaine, the cut number from Act Two. Mm-hmm. But this bulging river um, was like a five or six minute number um, where wow. everybody talks about like how this you know giant flood that came to town you know destroyed the town and their lives and blah blah blah. <laughs> Um, and it's, you know, it's really well done, but I don't think it's missed nearly as much. But it does fill in some blanks for me personally as a viewer to, to know that Blaine has a history of being destroyed by a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. That kind of adds to why it's so fucking dead now. Yeah, yeah like, that's I true. I kind of need that. Yeah. Was a little bit of a... No, like, you're right. But... I get that. Um, so Act 2 opens with a duet between Corky and Libby, uh, Petty for Your Thoughts. Yeah. And it's about how the boys are going off to war. I'm going to fight for my country. To fight and, yes, perhaps die. <laughs> He's got so much rouge on his face. Oh, cheeks, God, he by looks. The way. Yeah. Oh, and the eyeliner in, on these actors is just outrageous. Um. So they sing this little love duet, Penny for Your Thoughts, which I would do in my living room. Of course. Um, with Marty. And so I know all the choreography for that. Um, and very sweet song. Brings some audience members to tears. Yes. Michael Hitchcock, <laughs> especially. Michael Hitchcock. Namely. Um, and then um, we get some Clifford Woolley tr- narrations, um, which uh, as somebody who's seen the film about 50 times, I can tell that the intro to this next number, Nothing Ever Happens on Mars, was definitely filmed later to accommodate for the fact that they cut this second number mm-hmm. um, because... The intro, uh, you know, very smoothly transitions us into Nothing Ever Happens on Mars, but um, when they originally filmed this, the next number was Nothing Ever Happens in Blaine, which is the number we heard them rehearsing much earlier in the movie. So you're saying this was a pickup, the alien Yeah. Song? It's short. It's a short song. It's like yeah. a reprise almost. Yeah. It is. And so, um, so well, no, the intro into the number was a pickup, not the number itself. Oh, and okay. So it was originally meant to be like a duo number of like the citizens start singing Nothing Ever Happens in Blaine, It's All the Same. 
uh, you do this, you do that. I believe it's also in the deleted scenes, that number. And it makes much more sense than when the alien shows up and he's like, well, we came here because nothing ever happens yeah. on Mars. And the audience loves it. They're that's like, why oh, the audience loves it so That's why much. the audience loves it immediately. Whereas like, like now in this cut, <laughs> yeah, when the audience starts cheering immediately, they're just like, like really proud of that moment of in their alien? history. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funnier that way. Yeah, <laughs> it so is in impressed. a way. Um, oh. Um, I, I love that part of the alien costume are the flippers. Uh-huh. Like, not really necessary. There's, like, nice, there's a Nigel Tufnell nod on there with the, uh, the Roman numeral 11 on uh, the alien's oh, chest. Oh, very and nice. He, of course, his head doesn't fit through a little yeah. physical bit. Right, yeah, that's funny. Spaceship. Very community theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and a then... A place called Mars. <laughs> I just Time to, to take a trip. Um, and then we get into the finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much right away. And, yeah, and Clifford Woolley ends with, Nothing says America more to me than Blaine. And then, brum, bum, brum, bum, Yeah, and, I, brum, and the house lights brum, come bum. up, and it's like, and I, oh. And I'm like, even though there's a movie, and there's a fake show, I turn to Katie, I'm like, just, this is just a big show of self-dick suckery for an hour and a half. That's <laughs> yeah. all it is. Um, go America, go Blaine, we're, we're awesome. Yeah, yeah. and end. so the whole cast comes out in their red, white, and blue garb, and they parade around waving American flags. There's a big balloon drop over the audience of red, white, and oh, blue they, balloons. They are thrilled with oh, that Oh my gosh, especially... Though, to Gustin. be honest, yeah, though, to be honest, like, who's not thrilled by a balloon drop, right? Yeah. Like, it's true, you can Especially if you don't you know get. it's coming, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, if you don't know, even if I do know, I'm, I'm still excited. It's exciting. Balloons, <laughs> bubbles, anything like that. Yeah. It's just gonna, whoa, look at that shit. Oh my gosh, I wanna, yeah. When I get enough money to get a house, I think I will have a, bu- a net above on my ceiling. It'll be a bunch of balloons, and at any time, you just you press just, a button, yeah. and, and the they next... all drop. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and then, um, so the cast gets a standing ovation at the end. Um, Steve is screaming, Corky! <laughs> Love that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they take their bows, the curtains fall. Um, Corky is right off stage congratulating the cast as they come off one by one. Mm-hmm. And then he exits through the to the front of the house to go grab Mr. Mort Guffman. And so... I'll go get him. I'll be right back. Yeah, so he goes up and he, like, introduces himself or, you know, and grabs him and asks him what he thought of the show and... The mayor interrupts him, says he can't wait to talk Such about it. Waffle Saco. Such a long, yeah. Ba- ba- Waffle Saco. Wait till I, I Wait till they this. hear about this the, at the, the next mayor's conference. Mayor's conference. Mayor's conferences, yes. It's so excruciating because it keeps going. He gets two guys. He gets Hitchcock, he gets Larry yeah. Miller, and the guy yeah. from Adam's family, the judge. Yeah. <laughs> new Adam's, quote unquote, government is just standing there like an idiot. Yeah. Like, yeah. just, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, Steve congratulates him. That's when we see him give Corky the up and down. Mm-hmm. Look, checks him out. I didn't notice that until now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and so then Corky brings, uh, this supposed Guffman character backstage and introduce the cast to them. They're starstruck, applauding him. Um, while the cast is introducing themselves to him, um, a stage manager or somebody pops in and gives Corky a telegram that arrived earlier, but she didn't have time to give him. Now she is... And she's such a tiny little character, but she's really the villain. She's the villain. She's like the lynch. <laughs> she's the one that caused all this sadness. I mean, Guffman, he had to cancel. I guess I will give benefit of the doubt that there were snowstorms. You know what? Mother Nature is the villain of this yeah. movie. There you go. But the there fact that is. she held off for two hours and he had to embarrass himself by going to get him for our benefit, the audience. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, I, I, I blame it on you, the stage. It's sad and uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. after the cast introduces themselves, Corky says, well, let's let Mr. Guffman say a few words. Yeah, and the gentleman says, 
Uh, there's a mistake and trivia and question. George Loomis? No. Nope. Oh. Trivia question. Uh, what is this gentleman's real name? It's not it's, Mort Guffman. What is his name? It is Loomis, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's Roy Loomis? Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Roy Loomis. Yes. What did I say? George Loomis? Yeah. Uh, uh, Roy Loomis is this character. He's down. Roy Loomis. From, he's down from where? I don't know, but I know the this relation. Is like a, this is like a bonus like question to this one. His his nep his nephews. Uh, I'm Roy a... Loomis. I'm down from. I don't. Know. I'm down from Demi. Demi. Uh, sure. I'm down from Demi. My uh, niece had a baby. Yeah. Right. And he has. Go, a, that's why I'm the balloon. Yeah, I'm gonna go bring this balloon to. <laughs> oh, me. he's gonna love this. <laughs> he's gonna love this. And uh, so the he walks out. Yeah. The cast is heartbroken. Uh, Corgi slings slumps into a chair, pulls out the telegram, reads it. Sad. Snowstorm in New York. All flights canceled. Mm. Mark Guffman. Fade so. out. Slump. Yep. Disappointment then, all around. The end of the movie. Roll credits. Directed Roll credits. Christopher <laughs> Guest. No. Uh, title title slate. Uh, three months later. God just damn. three months. Three short months later, and everybody's lives are drastically turned around. Yeah. We start in Miami Beach, where we see Doctor Pearl. Yeah, they picked up and moved quickly. Yeah. Three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The love for me was not in Missouri. <laughs> you got to go where the love is. And, Make uh, it seem like he was chastised in Missouri. Like, you sucked in that play. You know what? I'm just going to leave the uh, the town. I don't I just, know. Uh, it's, well, it was on to bigger and better things. And a big are. question for me was, um, you know, you don't see Mrs. Pearl. I mean, yeah, you don't see her at no. the end. No. Did she leave You him? get that, like, it's interesting. I don't know why they do this, but as they're filming him initially, they pan down and you see he still has, like, this big gold ring on his yes, left hand. Yes, they do. And so I'm like, well, okay, why do they show us that shot, but they never show us his wife? And so, like, those were always big unanswered questions for That's me. That's a it's really like, good mm. question, because we noticed that. Like, they do do the tilt, and I was like, is he, does he think he's a big shot now with a gold ring yeah. and a gold I'm watch? Like, but is that... what you're saying is it makes a lot more sense. I'm like, uh, is that not his wedding man? Is that, like, a new one? But he do, you know... It's so funny. Yeah, so I don't know what happened Maybe there. Maybe there's I wish... a whole subplot there. As I'm... Yeah, I wish we got a little bit more into that. So Dr. Pearl is performing in this retirement community, singing Bobby Made a Kishka. Yeah, yeah. there's that song he referenced My earlier. Bobby made More a Jewish. Kishka. She made it big stuff. and fat. My Zeta took one look at it and said, I, I can't eat that. that. Oh, mama, mama, mama. <laughs> oh, mama, me, oh, my. And that's it. <laughs> and they cut away. And then they cut away from Dr. Pearl. <laughs> they don't even let him finish the chorus. No, yeah. it's the spinal tap cut. You don't yeah. get to finish this moment. No. We're out of here. Then we cut to the Albertsons in Hollywood, and they've made it, and um, you know they're excited. They're being filmed on what we see is some sort of set. Yeah. Um, and they're in these cowboy costumes. Sheila has white hair, but still the bangs straight up. It's like a gun smoky type of show. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, you know they talk about how they're living their dream in Hollywood. Uh, and then we see them get called back to set and, uh, you know, they're griping about, you know, the job that they have to do and how they should have a line or line dancing. We should be line dancing. They're just extras. Ex- overzealous extras. They're extras, like, in an ad. Quiet, please. Like, yeah. repeatedly told to be quiet. They'll be, they're put in their place and you can see they're humbled already, but they still have yeah. their spirit. And I, and my heart breaks a little, even though I think they're annoying. Because yeah. they don't have a car. They're, like, planning on, they got to get a car. Yeah, they can't get to Vegas because they don't have a car. They're, like, and they're trying to look at the bright side, but yeah, we're just five hours hours away from vegas like yeah no i'm so sad for you guys but yeah. you did this oh so. yeah yeah um then we cut to libby may brown and she is where she is oh she moved to uh, uh God, what the where the fuck did she end up 
Trivia Somewhere question. in Kansas, right? Nope. I can't remember. No. This is a tough one. Yeah. Sipes, Alabama. Oh, okay. Living with her dad. That's right. Because <laughs> he just got out of prison. Yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to do 10 Good years, behavior. but he didn't but kill anybody. because he didn't so kill anybody, he just he got out know, destroyed some property. He got out in five. And she's working at the DQ working down in Alabama. Them. She's got big plans. Big plans. She wants to make a healthy, non-fat or low-fat, healthy... Blizzard. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> like, as soon as she says blizzard, it's yeah, a hard out. Cut. Yeah. Uh, we're done. We don't need you anymore. And then we cut to uh, Corky in New York City. Yeah. Yep. And um, he, when he first got to New York City, the first thing he did was look up Mort Guffman. And Mort Guffman was so apologetic. And he gave him the opportunity to audition for his new show, which is a revival of... Uh, oh, uh, that's uh, My Fair Lady. Yes, yeah. My Fair Lady. And the role is of Henry Higgins. Uh. He talks about how he's been working on his accent. We're uh, dropping the H's for the Cockney accent. Hello, how are you? How are you? He doesn't to go say the to, Y. No, do you want to go to Artford? Not Artford. live in this L-O-L. It would be L-O-L, not O-L. As soon as we get a silver lining to the situation. Oh, he let me audition. Two, a minute, less than a minute. Like, nope, this isn't going to work no, out. Yeah. No, it does nope. not work out. It does I not work out so for him. so sad. Um, but Corky has gotten to realize his dream, which is opening up his theater memorabilia shop. And he starts to take us through his shop and show us all his uh, collectibles and memorabilia. This um, is a guest thing. Some of, oh, yeah, oh, very yeah. much. The My Dinner with Andre action figures. Yeah. Uh, My Dinner with Andre being a movie in which they just sit there and talk. Yeah, um, so. starring uh, Wallace Shawn. You always from get Princess the best, uh, reservations. You know they don't say that in the movie, but you can make up your own dialogue. Since the good of action, action figures, figures. You make up your um, own dialogue. And then it yeah. ends with him showing the remains of the day lunchbox. <laughs> it's just such a weird, now deep cut in oh, 2018. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, kids don't really like having lunch at school, but <laughs> if they have a remains of the day lunchbox, they're a whole lot happier. Credits. And that was it. That's way really? for Guffman. Yeah, abrupt, and we, yeah, yeah, yeah but, but they're still cutting with him showing us his memorabilia as the credits roll. There's yeah. some Anthony Michael Hall heads. Yeah, he's got terrifying. these uh-huh. his big heads, as he his, calls them. The big heads, yeah. yeah. Um, and during the credits, we get to see these really well done caricatures yes. of each of the cast members like pinned that. up. Um, and that was, you know, sort of a nod to community theater as well. That's something that I would expect to see in like a small town is like the cast board, you know, you when see you, outside, right the outside the theater, you see yeah. everybody's quote unquote headshots and yeah. these are the headshots of the cast. Oh, look, that guy did a silly one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's waiting for Guffman. Yeah. That's uh, the it's, it's the, the typical, it's the typical, uh, your movie, and then you're three months later, six months later, whatever. Yeah, and then you just kind of like, that's it. That's all we that's need. It. We're out. Yep. I have a question. Based on the title of the movie, and the but the involvement of the Guffman subplot, do you think it, it's worth calling the movie Waiting for Guffman? Because it's it's such a tiny sliver of what... It should be called oh, like no, Red, White, and Blaine, so. or the movie. Well, don't you think mm-hmm. so? I mean, it's all cinematically, about... I mean, Mort Guffman is 
Is he the like, MacGuffin? I didn't get the yeah. The, I mean, he, right. he's the, he, he never he's shows the crystal up. skull. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. That's what he is. Yeah. So it's like that's I, I mean, Guffman is like Broadway is the end goal for these characters, mm-hmm. and Guffman represents Broadway, and so that's like the journey of these characters is to take them from their small town off to the big city, and he's their ticket. He yeah. is their ticket out of there, and so okay. yeah, I think it's a very appropriate. Even though title. again, we never meet him. Like he's, yeah. no, but yeah, and I think that's important. Is that but he actually felt kind of bad about not showing? <laughs> yeah. Gorky's the kind of guy who just needs a little like validation that he's right. And, yeah. And he could still be wrong, but he'll know that he's he thinks he's right. Yeah, that's, and all that's he enough. Needs. Just him. that just break him off that little piece. Yeah. Um, just a crumb of, of uh good job. That's all you need. A thumbs up for Corky. I'd be happy. My the better version, my of this memorabilia store is the calendar in Best in Show with the dogs recreating yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. movie. That's yeah. much better scenes. Yeah. But this is my favorite movie. I'm so glad I got to be a part of this on this podcast. Thank you for being a part of it and steering it and giving us a lot of a lot of beefy facts here. I know beefy listeners facts. will appreciate Thank you. that. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, uh, and testing our trivia uh, too. Like I, yeah. I, I'm surprised at myself uh, that I retain. I'm, yeah, some I'm, pr- I'm proud of both of you. Um, you. I, I'm interested to see though how you might answer some of these trivia questions in another month. When yeah, but we're not like, watching. Yeah. Yeah. So fresh in your mind, movie. yeah. Exactly. But uh, hope you at home got some answers correct. And if you want to add some trivia questions, feel free to tweet us. <laughs> yeah. With your Guffman trivia, and we'll see if we can answer them. Yeah, that's don't at ninety under ninety. Don't tweet me. I'm suspended. <laughs> Dan's um, suspended from Twitter again. Don't worry about it. Just tweet at ninety under ninety. Because that this, account is not suspended. Is yeah. this your favorite Guff uh, guest? Yes. Um. Duh. I, I don't know. It's been a while, but I, I would think that um, it used to be a mighty wind, but then the last time I saw it, I was like, nope, not mm. a mighty wind. Uh, I think it might be best in show. It might I'm be a little bit funnier than this. Uh, then this. But having said that, I appreciate this movie a lot more each time I see it. I didn't really like this the first time I saw it because mm-hmm. I had seen them all out of order. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so to me, Waiting for Guppin was the worst. And now I think. A mighty wind, and I think even for your consideration is better than a mighty wind in I some agree. ways. Definitely, I feel uh, Guffman graduates to best in show in terms of scale, in terms of polish. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I just, I just like yeah. that more. But given the story, I, st- I, yeah, I like everything about best yeah. in show better. And Do unfortunately, it. mascots just Ooh. did not do it for any, un- Unfor- any of us. Yeah, here. I don't and know. Corky comes back, and let's talk about mascot a little yeah, bit because Corky comes back. Yeah, mascots. he does pop up in yeah. that movie. I forgot about that. He's like macrame during the mascot competition. It's not very funny. He's got like one scene. Yeah, he's got one. Where he trains yeah. a guy. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of like okay. It's yeah. I I, I, I I really if he gets another Netflix movie and maybe it'll be a home run, but I, did, I think he missed the mark with that one. But I, I still enjoyed mascots, yeah. but. It wasn't terrible, That's, but no. anyway, this was Waiting for Guffman from 1996 at 84 minutes. How long did it feel? It feel it's such it's a one of those, Oh, it's so fast. It's yeah. a fast movie, but it's also one of those densely packed yes. fast yeah. movies where it's like so much happens. That. There's a lot of notes that we had here like oh, yeah, absolutely. just in the first half hour of it, you know. So. Yeah. The docs and the mock docs it seems to be they move at a clip pace and yep. they're and they're a lot of infos thrown at you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can do it like it's all exposition. You don't have to worry about creatively mm-hmm. weaving it in there. But yeah. Anyway, that is it for us this week. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at ninety under ninety or email us those Twitter uh, or those uh, trivia questions that Caitlin <laughs> requested earlier. Ninety under ninety at gmail dot com. And until next week, I am Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. And I'm Caitlin Eden. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs>